Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. Multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half. How'd you get and you described that his head kind of exploded yes. when you hit him. I, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning and then 45 minutes later she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. So, welcome back. It is Wednesday today. We went back to Hump Day because that's what we just what we uh, felt like doing. And by we, I mean me. Last Friday was uh, was a good one. It was nice to get real. The training is still going on. I'm going to go on my adventure soon, and I'm excited to let you know how it went. And I'll, I'll keep I'll keep talking to you until I go. But I appreciate the, all the good feedback. Thank you, everyone. It's kind of it's kind of cool to realize that we're all human and we all do make different decisions, make different mistakes, whatever. That's why we're at the Operator Podcast. I can take your advice. I, I seriously do appreciate everybody sticking with me. It's awesome. Today's going to be episode 61. We Our goal in the beginning was 57, 57, but now we're 61, which is good. We're moving. Thanks again for being with me. I was talking about some stuff last week as far as the press and what we have learned is that nowadays you don't need to be right. You just need to be first, and the media do not care. Actually, they prefer to bring people down if they can, and there's no repercussions, which is I've read a lot of the comments from episode 60. Um, Fix yourself, and uh, again, I appreciate it too. Speaking of them too, it's this is obviously the week of the 22nd anniversary of 9/11, and watching some reports, especially coming out of the White House, with uh, it, you, you don't even need to tell the truth anymore. Um, they they did they they were saying how um, the, President Biden wasn't at Ground Zero in New York because. You know, 22 years they stopped going to Pearl Harbor, which to me doesn't make a lot of sense. But they said that didn't matter. I think it was personally because he didn't want to see the reception or have to answer answer any hard questions. That's just me. And then the, 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 they're able to say anything at all. And the media just goes ahead and does whatever they're told to say. And it's you can say basically no repercussions. You can say whatever. Kind of like there's, um, you know, Bidenomics, which is a nice way to say the Green New Deal is working well. I mean... Who are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes? Like, be honest with yourself, and I'm not getting political at all. Is gas more expensive? Is are, are things more expensive at the grocery store because of inflation? Are interest rates going up because the government's trying to fix inflation? You can see it's all happening around you, but they're going to say whatever they want all the time. There is no inflation. The, heat, the, the world is warming up. It's going to kill us all, uh, and they, they can do whatever because fear is big business. And they can tell you um, tell you whatever they want. And before we get started, I am going to have a special guest today. Uh, we are 
teetering on the brink of an economic meltdown that's threatening to wash your savings and retirement away. Inflation, even though they won't admit it, has surged to levels unseen in 40 years, and it's probably going to go up. Prices are spiraling out of control. Our money buys less and less, and Americans are incurring more debt just to stay afloat. That sucks. you got to use your credit card for necessities. Your budget, uh, your expenses... You budget them carefully, but each trip to the grocery store feels like a wallet-pinching experience. Gasoline prices are spiking. Your monthly bills, because of that, the fuel, it all goes up. This is what inflation does. It's, it's a, a silent evil force that eats away at your wallet and your purchasing power. Basic necessities are now unattainable luxuries. And when prices spiral out of control, they not only disrupt your ability to live day-to-day, they jeopardize your savings and retirement. Know this, your living expenses rise higher than the income that your retirement savings can generate. If they do, you will eventually, what do you think, run out of money. Don't let this happen. Protect your retirement with gold. Gold is the smartest and most responsible investment you can make for you and your family. It's a safe haven asset that protects your purchasing power and your wallet from the inflation that apparently doesn't exist. Take it from me. It's just financially smart for all of us to diversify our retirement accounts with gold and protect what we've worked so hard for. When it comes to protecting your IRA or 401k, I would trust the best. My friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold has earned the highest trust ratings in the precious metal industry and builds relationship based on integrity, expertise, and impeccable service. Get up to $5,000 in free silver on a qualifying purchase when you visit protectwiththeoperator.com. Or you can give them a call at 844-790-9191. Don't wait. Protectwiththeoperator.com. Take control of your retirement today. Go to that website or call them, 844-790-9191, and speak with one of their experts. They'll answer all of your questions and help you get started on a path to a more secure and prosperous retirement. Time is of the essence. Protect your future with Allegiance Gold. Visit protectwiththeoperator.com. But it's just smart to stay prepared. There's a difference between having a perfect plan and being prepared. It's not the thing you plan for that's going to happen in, in, you know, in a year or so. It's, it's something that hits us on a random Wednesday night that you should be ready for, prepared for. Well, we just talked about securing your financial f- future, but a uh, man and his family's got to eat too, right? So you got to have food. I mean, if I get the feeling something bad could happen at any moment. It's happened before. I mean, do you feel like that? Uh, but between the, the distractions from the media, like we talked about, and like all the smoke screens they put up there, we probably won't see it coming. That's why it's smart to invest in emergency food right away for you and your family. You know, as they say, it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. My Patriot Supply is the nation's leader in high quality emergency food. Head to my website, Prepare with Rob. Preparewithrob.com, and you'll save $200 on your three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. And you enjoy a wide variety of delicious meals, offering over 200 calories every single day for optimum strength under stress. Stock them up before panic sets in. I just I stocked up a couple more just yesterday, moving it into my supply area out of my garage. It's nice to have them. They last forever. Free shipping is automatic, and your order ships fast. So, Go to preparewithrob.com. Get emergency food at preparewithrob.com. All right. So like I promised on the Operator Podcast, I will tell you what I think should be happening as far as um, everything in the world. 
as an operator, and I think you're an operator as well. So like uh, in the comments, please tell me what I did wrong. And I, I'm if I'm wrong, unlike most people in the world, I will admit it. Maybe if I'm right, which I am, um, I'll tell you that too. But uh, the Operator Podcast loves to check the check the comments section at Mikuya or at the Operator Podcast on Instagram. I'm on Twitter at Mikuya M C H Amazon Mike C H O O Y A H. Twitter, I don't check all the comments because you fuckers are mean. But I also have, um, I do interview people and the Operator Podcast loves to have other operators. And I have um, I have a great operator here, a former Navy SEAL, um, great guy, combat veteran, entrepreneur, father, family man, all around great guy. Some of the heaviest hands I've ever seen. He used to work security for me. And if, uh, if um, people say he's going to throw hands, if this guy's going to throw hands, you know. Get him a coffee or something. You don't want that. Shit. <laughs> but his name is Taze Gill, former Navy SEAL. Um, we are going to, well, first of all, welcome, Taze. Great to see you, buddy. Thanks, man. It's great to be here. Awesome. awesome. I'm yeah. excited, man. We have Me a lot too. to cover. This is obviously uh, the week of the 22nd anniversary of 9-11, which changed a lot of stuff. Because you were, you were a Navy <laughs> SEAL right around the same time as me. Like We, we went in because get in shape, have great hair, especially on the <laughs> West Coast, which you were. Yep. And, um, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, get money for college, whatever you can, you can tell, tell chicks that you're a Navy SEAL. And then nine 11 happened, which is 22 years ago. And that, you know, for me, it changed the world for you. It changed the world. Yep. I think, um, uh, just before we get started, how, how are you now 22 years, so many trips overseas watching what's happening in, uh, um, DC and New York. It, man, it's tough. It's tough watching what's going on in the world these days. It's, uh, basically it seems like the U S is in a major decline decaying. Like it's, we're almost imploding and it's seems like it's all intentional. That's what I Tough was wondering. That's what I was wondering too, because I, so, I mean, even though we disagree with most of the people in politics and the media, there's some smart people there that know what they're doing. This can't be an accident. A lot of the stuff that's getting messed up. I don't, there's gotta be a reason. <laughs> I just can't put a finger on it. What, I mean, what, what could it be? Uh, my opinion, I, I think, I think it's all been planned out for, for decades. It's the, um, destroying America without firing a shot. You know, they, they poisoned our society from within and this liberal ideology is literally destroying the old America to create a new one that they want. I think it started out in the schools and colleges, and now it's just spreading like a cancer throughout our society. And now these crooked politicians are just about money. Money and power. I I don't and see, and I don't even yep. I don't even think it's it's uh, I don't think it's even fair to call them liberals because I no. think I think the true like the true definition of a liberal would be like a, a John F Kennedy Democrat someone that that uh, you know liberal meaning I I think you know do do what you want as long as you don't mess with someone else um, you know eh, you know j just uh, everything in society but but uh, not I, I think a lot of this is leftist almost I'm not even almost a lot of communist stuff and like you're saying. Uh, the, you know, Nikita Khrushchev in the fifties and sixties was saying that we're going to beat the United States without firing a shot because mm -hmm. we're going to get into the schools. We're going to get into the media and get into the entertainment. If you remember back in like the, the forties of world war two era, the actors in Hollywood were all about pro-America. Walt Disney was pro-America, pro-military. And then it's just shifted. Right. Yeah. I think, I think there's a big shift after world war two and it's, uh, just slowly gained more and more traction. Have you, have you heard of a guy, uh, his name was Yuri Bezmanov. He's a, Yes. He's a KGB agent that defected. I think he went up to Canada. He used to work out of the 
what would be like equivalent to a CIA station in, in India. And his job was to infiltrate the country. And, yeah. you know, and he, 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 he did an interview and he, he said that in his wildest dreams, they couldn't imagine that it would go so well as it's going in America. And, you know, he, he, he called it um, like you're saying, it's not really liberal liberalism. He, he touched on that. He said it's communism, but they, when they infiltrate the countries and get into the schools and college and all that stuff, it, they go under the guise of liberalism, liberal arts, progressivism to trick people. So they don't actually know what they're pushing. Yeah. I mean this, yeah, I saw that interview too. And if you haven't, if you guys haven't seen it, check it out. It's worth it. And that's in the eighties when he's saying this too, this is, I think under yeah. Reagan. And he yeah. was, I mean, he was even calling the people like the professors or the politicians that are pushing the communist agenda. He was calling them useful idiots because yep. once, once we finally infiltrate and they think they're going to get a powerful job, they put them up against a wall and fucking shoot them. Yep, exactly. And that's yep, what it, and I, th I, I think that a lot of the people making the decisions, there's got to be some power somewhere. And this is not just the the crazy lefties. There, there's guys on the right there, the rhinos and, mm -hmm. you know, Republican in name only that they love their power. They, they want their power. Like we got Mitch McConnell up there who I mean, and I'm not I don't wish bad health on anyone. But if I'm his age and I'm freezing, maybe it's time to retire. Like I'm not even right. retired. and I love to go yeah. golfing every day. If I could get a pension and just golf all day, I would do that. But they that power they have. Like, it's almost like D.C. has become a retirement home. Right. Yeah. That we I I think we need term limits in Congress. It's, There's no doubt about it. it they, these people go there and they stay there a whole entire career. They've never had a job in their life. They just go to, straight from college to yeah. politics and then they bounce around from, you know, the House, the Senate to wherever. And then yeah. they finally try to run for the presidency. Career politicians. Yeah, that's what it is. And it's, you know, it's amazing, too. It's it's uh, they'll call someone like Donald Trump a very rich man who went to politics corrupt but they don't call someone who's poor and gets rich in the government corrupt like mm -hmm. if someone said i oh, shit i gotta look it up but somebody said show me a rich politician and i'll show you a crook right exactly absolute and, power and, is absolute corruption it, and term limits too like uh, nancy pelosi announced the other day that she's running for her i don't even know what term it is but she's yeah. in her 80s and she's right. running again and, and now in her defense like she 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 knows what she's doing she's good at that shit but she's keeping she's keeping her power right there where, where it is and that's a I know. And it's absolutely insane that people are still voting for her. And some of these, what about uh Diane Feinstein, you know, Mitch McConnell, yeah. these, these people, they, they've, in my opinion, their, their time has expired. It's time to let the yeah. new guard come in. We have, we have people dying in office. That was never the intention. It should have been a few terms and let someone else take it. Someone from rural America, should go in there and and I mean a representative is to represent your district, not to run the country, not to run exactly. the media. And that's uh, I mean that's what it seems like they're doing there, and they, they don't have any plan on leaving. And they live in, I mean the swamp is real and it has fangs. And if you talk to like the, the the media and the politicians in D.C. and the the media in New York and then Hollywood, they think that there's New York, Hollywood, some of Florida, Hollywood, and the rest of the country is just the Midwest. Yeah. No idea yeah. what it is. Yeah, and there's, yeah. and I think when you get surrounded by nothing but yes men, people that tell you what you want to hear, it's a it's a problem. So that's that's I, I mean that's what are your thoughts on that? I'm talking too much. Oh yeah, I mean it, it's true. They, they, well, first off, like you're saying, these people, the representatives. I think the only people they represent are the um, the special interest donor class mm -hmm. and the lobbyists. When's the last time they did anything for the people? Right. They no. All they all they, all they do is. They get filthy rich off insider trading, insider deals, you know, with these uh, lobbyists and special interest groups. And it, it's crazy the, what, now, it, what, what now, our government now, has become. 
So you're telling me that Paul Pelosi is not a better uh, uh, picker of stocks than than Warren Buffett? He just he's getting insiders because in, Polly P has been crushing it like yeah. forever. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's the uh, that's what the optics tell us. It's yeah, and it's uh, you know it's it's hard not to get frustrated. And I know that um, and I I think personally in my humble experience, as far as the military when you and I were in, as far as all this um. All, all of these different categories of where we're supposed to be uncertain. I what what I found in the military is a lot of that doesn't exist. I didn't I didn't care if any of my guys were gay. I mm, worked with minorities. Exactly. I, I worked with white guys. I worked. I, I knew damn well some of them, my guys were gay. Don't give a shit. And it seemed like nobody cared where you were from or what you looked like. The way that I heard it put to me was as long as you can carry me out with all my gear when I get shot. I don't give a fuck what you do behind closed doors. And that's what it was for me anyway. Yeah, yeah. Remember, I I remember growing up and uh, people would tell me don't judge a book by its cover. Remember that. Now, if you do that, you're you're wrong. Now you have to judge a book by its cover, or you're a bad guy. You're not even allowed to say what what's behind the cover. I mean, we've got a Supreme Court justice who couldn't define a woman. Yeah, it's crazy. Doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know her, but that I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's but that's where we're at. So uh, before we go off, and I've taught you know I know I've known you for a long, long time. Before we get off on our conspiracy theory tangent tangent. So let's uh let's go back to the beginning because right. um. Uh, uh what so where now where'd you grow up uh i grew up in southern california like uh los alamitos hill beach area and um why the navy i wanted to be a seal since i was a kid um i had a uh you know i used to have all these encyclopedias and stuff somebody gave me a gun a gun encyclopedia and had there is a section on the stoner machine gun oh yeah this 556 stoner machine gun from vietnam and have these pictures of frogmen in jeans barefoot with bandanas on and their faces painted and i was like damn that looks cool i want to do that so that's i set my mind when i was a probably i don't even know nine or ten i was like that's what i'm gonna go do that's awesome i, yeah. I read those books after after i um got tricked into joining the navy i started reading some of those books like the men with green faces uh yep. point man and walking point by patches watson vietnam guys. yeah i remember that i read those books yep. oh my god and that th I'll yeah. tell you, those are tearjerker books what what yeah. like one of the i think the first time i was ever starstruck was we were at i was at sniper school we had ours uh uh in camp atterbury indiana and that's where patches J uh, jim james patches watson is his name if you haven't read his books read his books but he came in because he lived there and he came walking in and like the instructor stopped teaching and he kind of came you know he's got a i think he had a cigarette and a beer <laughs> he kind of walked nice. in and, just, and I, the, one of the and he's just a great great guy and i remember one of the things he was saying because we I mean, even back in the day, I, I think we were raised to think how horrible and I mean, I wasn't in Vietnam, how horrible it was. But I, I remember what Patches Watson, the first combat vet I ever talked to. And he said, Vietnam was not a hard war. It was a fun war. We get to go mm -hmm. out every night and hunt people. And I was like, mm -hmm. I want to be like you. Yeah, exactly. And that was before 9-11. Yeah. So I'm like, well, we'll never get that. But yep. <clears throat> yeah, those so Vietnam, when, guys. You... Vietnam guys were epic back then. Those, those guys are legends. Legends still are They're the best. Yeah. yeah, still are men with yep. men with green faces. So yeah. um, Dick so Marcinko. Oh, Dick Marcinko. Yeah, I, 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 I read I read all his books before I went into. <laughs> yeah, he he. I think it, it might have been him and Patches that um, they skipped one of the swims at SEAL Team Two back when Rudy Bosch was the Master Chief. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you do, I guess, on the East Coast, I don't know if you guys do this out there because SEAL you were SEAL, SEAL Team One, correct? SEAL Team Five. Just the five. Sorry, sorry. Um, but um. You know, skipping PT, you can't do it. But one of the things on the uh, on the East Coast was if you get out of it, no one notices. You got to go to Waffle Town because 
it's like a thing. But don't tell anyone. But Master Chief Bosch was there, and he's hardcore. Like he was a guy, a good military man, gets a haircut once a week, whether he needs it or not. But yeah. I guess I think it was Patches Watson and Marcinko, who was like I think a JG at the time. They're driving back after Eaton, and and there was a a, a, a competition on the local radio station, like WNOR. And uh, they asked a question and they knew it and they called in and answered. But Master Chief Boss was in his office listening and he heard those two jackasses. So, Wait, what year is this? Uh, oh, shit. That must have been that like was in the like, 70s. Not, oh, like 1965. Because he was a Master Chief at Team 2 for 27 years. The Master Chief. Damn, that's crazy. But anyway, I, but you, you know, if you're if you're playing hooky or going AWOL or whatever we call it, UA, yep. um, you don't you don't get on the radio after sucking down pancakes. <laughs> that's hilarious i love it so did you join right after um right after high school <clears throat> no i went to uh junior college for two years and then i was like okay i'm done with this so went in went through that die fair program yep went to uh uh boot can camp you, and, can you explain then, the die the die fair program i went through that too but it was different okay. then than it is now yeah it was just, it was like a basically kind of like a fast track to get to buds so you wasn't guaranteed but you know you, you basically had a had a actual path where you could get to buds right after a school you don't have to go to the fleet and work in the navy first so i i, I joined uh i signed up to be a corpsman so yeah I, I, that's I what i was to, gonna ask i went to a school and then i went i went to um boot camp and then corpsman a school out at great lakes and straight into buds you went to corpsman a school yep mm-hmm yeah, because I remember Dive Fair I, I was uh, someone told me great advice for anything. Always get it in writing. If yeah. uh, if you do business on a handshake, you're just setting yourself up for failure. But one a dude that joined the army told me that I went to high school with said get it in writing. And they had the Dive Fair program, which you need to be a corpsman. And I didn't want to be a corpsman. So I pulled a fast one We at, at boot camp when you go up to the second floor and you're going to different offices like cubicles. And they're telling you about your rate. I said something like, no, um. I think first sergeant told me I'm supposed to be a parachute rigger. And he goes, well, we don't have first sergeants. I'm like, I don't know, senior chief, what the heck? somebody. <laughs> and so I became a, a PR. I went to Millington nice. and, and then to Bud's. That's cool. So uh, Now you were in 210. I got that right. Yep. 210. Bud's class 210. And I think I'm pretty. So the way it works, correct me if I'm wrong, at basic underwater demolition seal training, Bud's, um, as soon as you, as soon as you get there in the PTR, what is that? Uh, physical PTR. training, rest and relaxation before phase one. They line that huge class of two hundred plus dudes to watch another class graduate, and I'm pretty sure you got to watch the last hard class graduate. Am I right? Yeah, two hundred eight, right? Was, yeah, it's good class. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I think we watched two hundred seven because we. I remember you oh, guys. Just... I remember you guys running around the uh, compound where we were there. Okay, okay, that, yeah. that wasn't the last hard class. Yeah, <laughs> but I was exactly. too. That's funny that we were out there at the same time, though. That yeah, was, yeah, uh, I remember. I remember too late. Yep. What'd you think of Buds? Oh, um, it was awesome. I loved really? it. Really? I I showed up. Uh, I mean, I showed up prepared. I trained for like two years before I went. So Good for you, I kind of I basically knew what to expect. You know, I went to the recruiters and got all the paperwork, the packets, and then I was in Southern California, so I went down to the the recruiter took me they had like a van load of guys that took us all down to the buds compound and they gave us like a, oh, a workout packets and a tour. So I kind of, I would say semi knew what to, what Lots to expect. And, and so, so I, I mean, I, I showed up physically fit and mentally prepared for it. So I went straight through past everything. Were you nervous about anything? Um, all the runs. I hate running. I still, I still, I mean, I still run. I ran this morning, but 
I'm not a fast runner. I don't do long runs, you know, but yeah, I was kind of like in the back of the pack. Usually if you're behind me oh, in God, trouble goon squad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're behind me, you're in the goon squad. Yeah. The, the goons explain the goon squad for people who don't know. Oh, so the goon squad is the, uh, basically if you're a slow runner, then you get hammered in the back. They'd, Extra make attention, the guys in the boon squad. Yeah, remedial, like, remedial training. I think they they would make them stop and like jump in the water and roll around and like do cartwheels and push ups in the water, then start running again and catch up to the rest of the guys. And so it's like basically consequences for not running fast enough, right? <laughs> yeah, you get. Be- I was I uh, I was never in the goon squad, but I was afraid of the swims. Uh, I just le- I learned how to swim after I joined the navy, and and I wasn't wasn't the best. Uh, I could run. I, I you know, I, I grew up at 5,000 feet and I hiked in the mountains. So running was good, but uh, the swimming, swimming kind of got me. Um, but like anything, but so you weren't, you know, g- growing up in the ocean, did you have any, uh, there's no fear of sharks, right? No, I, I did. I was usually like two, three or four in all the swims. Cool. I finished, I finished in the top four of all the swims and <laughs> the runs. I was in the very back. I was right ahead of the, I was right ahead of the goon squad in the back. <laughs> you're, yeah. You're like the goon squad marker, which isn't bad because yeah, you're, yeah. you're not, you're not going to be in it. That's yeah. Yep. Cause a, a lot of guys that I know, um, they said it's in the back of your mind with, you know, the shark thing. But if, you know, if you're in the ocean and you yeah. are familiar, as far as I know, sharks aren't, they're not going to bother you. Cause I mean, that's, yeah. that's a great, that's a great white super highway and they don't bother. Oh you. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember like doing our combat swimmer courses at the team, we'd have, you know, diving in and out of a uh, point Loma and oh, diving in this, there in the sub pens and stuff and mm-hmm. you know it's pitch black and there's seals everywhere not navy seals but the animal no. seals yeah, yeah yeah so a seal swims up and like bounces into you and you're like holy shit what the well, what was that the sea lions are smart as shit too they're like puppies and i think they do that on purpose knowing they can scare us i've, I've yeah, seen it yeah and but i don't give a shit what you see when you're underwater on like a, a dive a dragger dive everything's a great white shark i don't care what it is <laughs> yeah we had a uh one of the guys at our team at sea lion swam up and dug its teeth into his scalp through the through his wetsuit hood and started humping him (laughs) (laughs) so he had he had two puncture wounds in the top of his head (laughs) seriously yeah wow yeah that's uh basically he got molested he got molested by a sea lion (laughs) during a dive that that comes with it when you get as a human when you get in the ocean you're at the bottom of the food chain if if something um lives in there if they want to hump you guess what you get you all you can do is just start humming background music because he's got you (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) uh yeah with the running thing too i'm at the i was a good runner then but i'm at the point now where uh i run for i don't run for speed i run for accuracy like Mm -hmm. wherever i start i hope i end up there that's that's exactly so yep. the, I, I've the, been doing the uh, little uh, going off track here. I've been doing the carnivore diet this summer. I've dropped twenty pounds, so I've been running again. Now, the what is the carnivore diet? I mean, I don't know what that is. I, I, I eat uh, nothing but meat. How many times a day? Uh, usually twice. When I first started, I was eating it all the time. I was I, so it's like eggs, you know, beef, bacon, chicken, mostly fatty beef though, and then um, a little bit of butter, but. When I first started, I was eating like 20 eggs a day just to, oh, wow. just to fill well, myself yeah, up. So I wouldn't, so I wouldn't cheat, you know, cause the sugar addiction is so strong, but, uh, now I just eat a couple times a day. Yeah. Uh, what, breakfast or what? Uh, usually like lunch and dinner. Yeah. I've heard of dudes that just like eat one meal a day. Like the, the mm-hmm. caveman thing. Okay. Yep. I, I, don't, I don't know much about it. I'm not a nutritionist. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. The car, I feel, I feel awesome doing this carnivore thing. So, um, okay. Back to buds. All right. Let's go. Uh, 
everyone what i like about buds is everybody has their own unique story so what was uh what was hell week like oh i mean it was uh it was brutal it was brutal but it was fun too um this you know it was crazy just running and running and running with these boats on top of our heads uh and then i think the worst part was going over to uh was it Sism Sism Field over there on North Island? Yeah, this, what's to explain the Sism team too? Uh the Sism so team that, is like that's the, a West Coast thing. Yeah, it's like a Navy uh I guess like a triathlete team. Yeah. So it's you know, you're basically like a professional athlete in the Navy, but they had a a field over there on North Island or on um not NAB. North Island with yeah, NAB. Yep. And we'd go over there a couple times a day or in the middle of the night and we'd have to set up our boats and i remember for hours it would seem like hours we would like on your bellies on your back on your feet on your bellies on your back on your feet on your bellies on your back on your feet and you're just like bouncing around from your stomach to your back then standing up then doing push-ups and for it seemed like hours and hours and hours that doesn't sound like much either but for anyone who's listening if you think that sounds weird start your uh, pull your iphone out i know you have one start the stopwatch go to 10 minutes uh, of just standing up and laying on your back, standing up, laying on your back, stand up, lay on your belly, stand up, lay. Do that for yeah. ten minutes. You see how you like yeah. it. Oh, I yeah, hated it that. Sucked. That was a, yeah, uh, yeah. We would have instructors uh, that would come up one on one, and they except they had to have a megaphone and yell at you through. Oh it, yeah, on your yeah. back, on your. Oh, that sucked. Yeah, because guys are like you're like in a la la land at that point. You know, no sleep. Did you all have week. a? Did you have a tough time in Hell Week? Um. No. Like probably like the same as everybody else. N- nothing, um, nothing crazy. I mean, it sucked, but it just sucks. I, I was so excited to, you know, be a frogman and go through buds. I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, what I was like, um, twenty one at the time, so I was, you know, I was in great shape. So it was like, let's yeah. do this. You know, I was like fired up. I think that Hell Week. I mean, it's you know, you you hear stories that SEAL training is all mental, which is sort of true, but I think that means you you need to have the mentality to push your body through pain. But right. if you start freaking yourself out, if if you see someone who's thinking about quitting, they're done. They're already done. And when when it, like if for people who don't know, Hell Week starts on Sunday, ends on Friday. You don't sleep at all. Well, a little bit, but it's not sleep. And um, but the first part is breakout. And that's the uh, that's in the movies where they the, it's dark out, but the instructors got uh, M60s or shooting stuff, grenade simulators, uh, and it's I mean, this is cool. And that's it kind of sunk in for me. Like Hell Week is starting. This is so awesome. But I remember sitting there right before Hell Week started. We're in those tents, and I had a guy mm-hmm. say, "Man, I'm scared. I'm scared right now." I'm like, "Why? This is going to be fun. This part's gonna, the rest was going to suck." He quit three minutes into breakout because he, he oh, talked shit. himself out. Like literally talked because he's afraid. It's like, dude, look how many guys are here. What are you afraid of? Yeah. But, yeah. I but, remember but the, the, uh, the mentality. Yeah. The breakout was awesome. You know, you, we were in there laying on your axes waiting and then they yeah. start throwing uh grenade simulators. And then the dudes are instructors are walking around with M60 machine guns with blanks. Uh-huh. And we're just, you know, it's like chaos just running around. They got fire hoses was, out there. And then yeah, and they're the, doing, I mean, they're doing it on purpose. It's supposed to be chaos because yeah. I mean, they're telling you that you got to keep a head count. Boat crew leaders keep a head count, but they're splitting you up on purpose. They know it's going to yeah. be chaotic. And, um, if you can just realize, look, these are instructors, are normal dudes too. Just, just go with it. You're, you're not going to get anything right. Yeah, and then going then, down to that, that, like that towards the end of the week, going down to the demo pits. Oh shit! That was that was brutal. Because we're just completely exhausted at that point. Um, you have to crawl around under the barbed wire and like smoke and grenades, similar to machine guns going off. At that point, we're, I think everybody's just 
physically uh, crushed and, oh, and on mentally Friday? Yeah, yeah yeah and that and that yeah. god awful um sewage plant they have the ropes yeah. in yeah i mean that i'm look that's not healthy there's something in there <laughs> yeah do they oh, still yeah. do that is, is that closed down i think they do it i don't know last time i was down there was like five years ago so yeah i, I did well, last time i was down there they had the um that that i mean that whole place is going politically correct too the uh are they really well yeah the the, the high wall they lowered it what? Uh, by they lowered the high wall by 12 inches and then they put rubber matting on the top so you don't get splinters when you're going over it what and the dirty name they lowered it and they put them closer together the logs and you know what they what you know what they should do to save money just they should make seal training just an online course <laughs> i know right yeah. yeah promise me you did did you go outside and roll in the mud okay just check the box <laughs> yeah yeah and then the uh <laughs> the 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 slide for life um under under the slides there's a now like a safety net you know like at the circuit delay the the circus safety nets so if you fall because yeah, remember before if you fall off the slide for life you break your leg or at least it, it hurt I, bad i have a i have a good friend of mine that fell off it and broke his neck in first phase i mean that is it i mean that's incentive to hang on to the damn thing yeah and then um on the first level of the slide for life there's like a like a trainer level so before you know you have to like figure out how to get up on each level yeah. Yeah, so now there yeah. yeah so now to get on the first level there's like a like a half level, so it's almost like a stair to go up. Maybe if we ask nicely, the next time we fight terrorists, we can ask them to just shoot rubber bullets or simulations. <laughs> exactly. I know. Make it easier. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We don't. You do realize right now that you know we do sound like the old grumpy guys. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, it's true. We're it's, laughing it, about it. Back in my yeah, day. I mean, what about what everything. about the uh, Viet, what about the Vietnam team guys that would come visit us when we're in buds and they're like. Oh yeah, this is so easy. Like yeah. when we're going through buds, they used to beat us up and punch us. <laughs> well, they, yeah, they, well they did. They did. Yeah. Well, they had they had uh, they had some courses on the East Coast, and I don't. I mean, February in Virginia sucks, and they and some of those hardcore frogmen went through it. I mean, that's. Oh yeah, yeah. They, yeah. I mean, they would have. <laughs> I remember in the middle of the night, some of our instructors would come in. You know, they'd come back from Danny's or McPee's, the bars in Coronado, and they'd be hammered, and they get out of your beds and we'd be out there like all night just they they can barely stand up they're just sh shit yeah. house and they're making us run to the serve zone and doing all <laughs> kinds of crazy stuff all night <laughs> we're like, we, all right. we had a dude leading um leading the grinder pt up on, so you get the grinder the outdoor concrete slab and then like the stage where the instructor is and it was the <laughs> It was the day after Halloween. So this instructor's up there, nine-eyed. And uh, he's covered in red paint because apparently he went to McPee's on Halloween dressed as the devil. And he just, oh, came, my God. He just came right to Bud's. And the, the, I guess the like the XO came. I was like, hey, man, just uh, shower up. We'll have someone else lead the pull-ups. <laughs> that's awesome. But that's back go, you know, going through, not realizing. You think these instructors, are they're just like these professional instructors right out of the like, – these are team guys. Like they're, they're yeah, just, exactly. They're gonna, yeah, yeah. They, you know they're 26 27 like they're oh just, yeah and studs yeah yeah it was, it was it, i mean it was an incredible experience it, i loved yeah. it it was it was, awesome. it was it was probably the the worst time of my life but the best time of my life i just yeah. I, it was and and the friendships that you you make there are just incredible yeah definitely definitely teach you how to be a man and you learn about yourself right mm -hmm. you learn start learning about limits and how far you can push yourself you also learn about like the the funny things that for me personally that stick with you in the SEAL teams, uh, like 
if you lose a piece of gear, all you got to do is ask who stole it, and then you'll find it. Like, who the fuck stole? <laughs> oh, there it is. I found it. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then my favorite one was uh, the I got mine. Like, hey, I can't find my my UDT vest. Well, I got mine. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was, it, yeah. It, I mean, it was an awesome uh, culture and environment. The whole thing, yeah, yeah. silting buds and all that stuff. Crazy. What about uh, what about so second phase? I didn't. Care. I mean, second phase is okay. I didn't care for that. I didn't, I mean, I care. It was okay. It was it was really cool. I thought to learn how to dive and the physics. Um, but just the down and back dives, whatever. I guess I guess they're doing the what anything like. I wish I had a cool story about second phase. Well, the five point five nautical mile swim suck balls. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, yeah, we had to do that five point five twice because the, yeah. uh, <laughs> the, the we we swam against the current like for hours and hours and we weren't moving and they finally were like like get out of the water i mean we're in there i don't i don't remember how many hours but we i remember being like almost down to the demo pits and just swimming and looking at the beach and we're in the exact same place like everybody was kicking and kicking and kicking and nobody's moving this crazy current came so they pulled us out and then like two three days later we did it again that the exact same thing happened in my class Oh, okay. And when when because they they said yeah the current's been going north to south for the past ten thousand years but today we heard it shifted so we're gonna go to IB, and we went and the oh that's horrifying like we tried to cheat because the 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 um it's a concave beach so we'll just go straight mm-hmm. line so mm-hmm. you end up a mile off the shore and like the safety boats aren't there you're just yeah. with your swim buddy it's like what are, what is and then, yeah but the, you know we because we got to the O course which is a hundred yards from the finish yeah. line. Yep. And so we're like, cool, at least this is over after six hours. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of days later, they're like, Yeah, you know, we were gonna do dive medicine, but put your pens down. We're we're doing the swim again. And that okay, that's the meanest thing, including getting shot at that anyone's ever said to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that swim sucked. That yeah, was, like, miserable. Miserable. Like yeah, and then I didn't even like we would all have like uh snacks and stuff hitting in our wetsuits because yeah. you're out there for hours and hours Nothing. just swimming, Nothing. just kicking. So, you don't even realize you're sweating too. There's nothing to drink. Yeah. Well, my 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 uh my my swim buddy Monty, instead of his um his flare that was taped to his knife, he taped his king size Snickers bar. And nice. we're in our we're in our uh inspection. So the way it works, like you I'm just for people who don't know, you're yeah. in an inspection line, you're facing your swim buddy, and they walk up, they search everything. And if you're like you're, even if your flare's upside down, that you get gay, you get beat. And I looked over and I saw a Snickers bar, and I'm like, Monty, Jesus, if if they see that we're both screwed he goes yeah but if they don't i'll split it with you i'm like done <laughs> nice yeah i remember in uh, uh you went through a dive phase in december so pretty cold nights um yeah. you know it's once in a while we'd sneak a, a wetsuit top on underneath our uh-huh. wetsuits <laughs> to, to double up <laughs> one of the guys got caught oh my god they hammered him for hour like all yeah. night all night yeah well, because we were only wearing the uh, the 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 tops with the hood, yeah, and you like oh, yeah. you, you snap it underneath your nuts. Oh. Yep, yep, yeah. But we, the, you know, like a like a tank top. We yeah. were like a like a neoprene <laughs> oh, tank yeah, top yeah, underneath your top, okay. just a uh-huh. yeah cheater top, uh-huh. just for a little bit extra warmth. <laughs> and one of the guys got busted, so we're like, yeah, we probably not shouldn't do that anymore. <laughs> do they beat everybody for a little while, and then they told us all to get out of there, and that other guy and his buddy. They didn't come yeah. back to oh, the yeah. barracks until like five o'clock in the morning. Too. That, well, that, yep. I, I think that's, I think that's good though, that the whole, you go everywhere with somebody, always have a swim buddy. And if your swim buddy screws up, you're getting beat too. But that's, I think that's just good, good way to literally beat sense into you. Oh yeah. I remember my swim buddy in buds. Um, he's a fireman. I, I just saw him a couple of years ago, but he, he's like six, five or six, six. And 
and, and he was my buddy in first phase up in, and then in a um he he got rolled back in dive phase but dude, we would swim so fast we were always like in the top three and I, remember I, I was like dude i was always i was talking to him i'm like i'm always just trying to keep up with you and he goes oh i was just trying to keep up with you so yep. we we're like both racing <laughs> each other <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Swims. and then and then they gave me a, um we had an egyptian officer in my buds class so they made him my swim buddy in second phase after my original swim buddy got rolled for pool comp and this guy sucked at swimming so we're literally in the back like and we're the last swim pair, you know, we're doing the daily two mile swim and, or the, the weekly two mile swim and in the very back, like, and I was just like, what the fuck? Like yeah, trying to get this guy to swim he, faster. And swimmer. yeah. And then one of the instructors is actually really cool. He came up and he's like, he told me, he's like, Gil, get out of here. He's like, start swimming. And then he stayed with his kayak with the Egyptian guy. And I swam, I made, I made it all the way up to like fifth place. <laughs> Because I was like, oh man, I'm going to fail this swim. Like I'm done. Yeah. So what they'll do for some reason, they put foreign nationals through buds. And I, I think, I think they trick them and tell them they're going to dive school. We had, uh, we had four dudes from Singapore and they, the Singaporean Navy told them they were going to dive training and then they sent them <laughs> through buds. We had one dude, his last name was O O H couldn't speak english period like like th in third phase he, i took him to tijuana motherfucker still couldn't speak english but he had a, we had fun down there because i think apparently everybody speaks donkey yeah. <laughs> but but uh um yeah we had uh we had tan shori o and tan and then we had a greek dude and these guys oh, okay. they have no business being there at all but uh i'll never forget that like because in first phase you have the 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 canteen and then second phase you go to the huge gatorade bottle Yep. And so the instructors told us, yeah, for, you know, uh, first day of second phase for PT, get a Gatorade bottle, tape it up. And that's your thing. Have your name on it. And he brought this teeny little life water thing. And one, he was, a, he was like a Greek officer. And I'll never forget. Someone goes, damn it. Nisa Takas, you're supposed to have a Gatorade bottle. And he goes, Gouterade. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't speak English either. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, oh, that, yes. Yeah. And so, so third phase, did you think the Island was, so third phase is, um, Land warfare. Did you think the island was as bad as I thought it was? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The island. Yeah. We we got hammered on the island. It was. We had one. We, we had um. One of our guys had an AD with an M sixty. Oh Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and then they destroyed the whole class, and then they hammered him for like yeah two days straight. Like he thought they thought he was gonna get kicked out of buds. They didn't, but um. They didn't. Yeah, He's lucky. An accidental yeah, discharge. Yeah, you got a gun going off yeah. for the reason you didn't intend. That's... Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, it was a blank. But um, either whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But yeah. Can you explain? Was... Can you explain the, the process of of the island at the end of third phase? Yeah. Um, so third phase, we're doing land warfare. So it's basically our first introduction to small unit tactics. So we go out to San Clemente Island and we had a uh, compound out there. There's a buds compound and there's a compound for the regular seal, the seal yep. teams group one compound. And we would go out there and we start, you know, we, we learned about marksmanship and um, we started doing some shooting first in San Diego, MP5s mm -hmm. and stuff, yep. little introduction, then went out to the Island and we started doing uh small unit tactics, immediate action drills, patrolling, all that stuff. So we learned, started learning about land warfare and small unit tactics. And then on the South end of the Island is a bombing range. And we would 
go down there and do uh like not full mission just tra- training missions so mm-hmm. they would set up targets you know we have to sneak down there and sometimes we'd swim in sometimes we walk in and the whole south end of the island is covered in cactus so <laughs> you always come back those things are horrible filled, filled full of cactus but it, yeah it was fun we go down there and do a L-shape ambushes and target assaults and all kinds of stuff. And that, that was my first introduction to the M60. And I was like, man, I yeah, love this gun. This is big, incredible. Big, man. Yeah. So um, it's just lots of uh, small unit tactics and uh, firearms training on the island. And then also more swimming and you know, was it the boogie boogeyman swim where they would uh, put, <laughs> they actually put chum on us and we swam. Oh, no, just, they didn't really. Yeah. They, yeah, we swam around this little this little tiny uh not island, it's like a little rock pile. <laughs> we have to swim around there in the middle of the night and they're like, oh, oh the sharks are gonna get you. <laughs> was, well, I mean that okay. I mean it was I, fun. I admit you know, I'm the first to admit that we're not on the menu, but also if a shark bites you, you screwed up. Like you got in between him and some food, or or uh it was murky and he couldn't see you, or it just rained and it's murky. Mm-hmm. But like don't swim where someone's fishing and don't swim with chum on yourself. Like, exactly. That's not even, yeah. Yeah. That's just da- that's just dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great story yeah, now, the, though. But <laughs> yeah, the island, the island was uh, it was fun. It was crazy. It, it was, was cool. the, I, yeah. I mean, you don't you don't get a day off, and it's. I mean, it, it, started, it, it, it like it was like an introduction to uh, being in the actual SEAL teams because yeah, it was it, like it, a it was like a yeah. continuous operation cycle, and we're continuously mm-hmm. doing these training missions, and then between the training missions, you know, we're either mission planning, working on our weapons, or shooting. So. Yeah. I got cool. one of the one of the well because of the island we all say the, nobody can hear you scream so they yeah. can do whatever they want. Right. But I, I, one of the worst beatings we got, we were getting beaten. We didn't know why, um, but for a while, obviously they can do whatever they want. You're running the hills and all, whatever. And um, after like an hour straight of all of us getting beat, it's because one guy said something. Uh, so an instructor said, "Okay, now from now na- from now on, if I ever hear any of you talk about your Sig Sauer P226 nine millimeter as your nine, this is going to happen again." <laughs> nice. So I. Oh I, yeah, I one more thing on the island I forgot. We did the 15 mile run out there. Yes. Oh, that was brutal because by that by that point, you know, you're you're worn out physically you're from. Beat down. You know, that's like month seven, right? Because PTR is month one. So you're month seven of just mm-hmm. continuously doing this training. So you're you're physically worn out. And um Did that, they that, that was brutal. I thought that was really brutal, the 15 mile run. Cause like I told you, I'm I'm not yeah. a big runner. So that, they, I remember that not, sucked. Did we run that in boots or did they let us run it in shoes? Boots. Okay. Oh, that sucks. God, baits. It's, it's it's a, I mean the bait baits yeah, lights, they're, the baits were I mean, they're like they're like semi running shoes boots <laughs> yeah they, i baits were nice i, I like though they're not yeah. i mean they're not good for climbing and shit but running they're good yep yep okay yeah, so, so crazy. on the island they told us because we we i don't know if you did this but we filled out a dream sheet which means you because the seal teams are divided obviously the odd numbers in coronado even numbers in virginia and uh, you fill out your top three teams and what the advice i got was put down the coast you want so if you want to go to seal team four put four two and eight that's when we had yep. three on each side. If you want to go to the West Coast, put one, three, and five. Um, no matter what, do not put SDV anywhere because you're going there for yep. sure. What did you? What was? Did you guys do that like that? Yeah, yeah. So I put down. Uh, I think I put down like I split it up. So I put down five and then eight and four. You know, because the instructors we had on the island, oh, those, wow. the teams are from. So they're some of them were team five. They're like, oh yeah, that's cool. And then yep. a couple of guys were from team eight, and they said it was badass over there. So I, I put down five, eight, four. And 
and remember I, I was a corpsman, so I was supposed to go to 18 Delta, right? Yes, and I was going to ask. I, I somehow got out of it. You team so, guide your way out of it. <laughs> yeah. So, so on the Island, like I said, I had the introduction to the M60 and I was like, man, this gun is amazing. Like I want to be a 60 gunner out, yes. you know, forget about the medical stuff. So one of the instructors, I went and talked to him. I was like, Hey, I want to be a 60 gunner, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to go to Corman yes. school. And, um, they said, I was like the first guy to do that in like a decade. They, they, they canceled my orders to 18 Delta and sent me to SEAL Team 5. That's but I, awesome. But guess when I first checked into SEAL Team 5, I didn't go there SDT. I worked in medical for like two months. So. Well, yeah, because you're still a corpsman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, see, it's like the radio. You never really get rid of it, you know? No. But I mean, it, it, that's good skills to know. I mean, it was always. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I, I mean, we had we had some. Uh, we had, I mean, guys that went through 18 Delta were good, but we had some team guys that just sort of didn't give a shit about it, but they were corpsmen I, I had one of our new one like my fourth platoon a dude that was in my our fourth platoon together senior guys and one of the new guys new seals came up to him and goes hey man i think i'm having a heart palpitation and he kind of looked at him and goes shit's still beating ain't it you're fine <laughs> exactly takes a motrin <laughs> yeah takes a motrin rub some dirt on your face you'll get up yeah. get back in the surf zone get back Suck in the fiery up. water <laughs> yeah open up, up a, open up a can of man <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so what was that? So what was, so now they do seal qualification training, which I hated at first. Cause they go through buds SQT, then you get a trident, and then you go to the team, which yeah. actually makes, it makes more sense. I think, cause you get better yeah. training, but uh, what was this? So seal tactical training. I went through that too, but we had to split up East coast, West coast. What was, what was West coast STT like? Uh, it was good. Uh, so we had a, every team had their own STT back then. Every and team it was did. all wow. completely different, you know, cause every team had their own mm-hmm. personalities, AOs, like, it wasn't standardized like it is now. So, um, like still team one's STT was different than ours and still team threes was different than ours. So it was cool. Um, I think we started out with doing, uh, like I said, I had to, I had to work in medical for like a month or two, something like that. And then we did, we started out with like land nav and, you know, we just did land nav and buds for like, Oh man, more of this. So it was land nav, lots of land nav. Then we went into, land warfare we went out to nylon california did our first nylon or land warfare workup and that was pretty cool we had it was awesome it's just it, they ran exactly like a a seal platoon land warfare workup so we had like tf-160 helicopters out there oh, wow. like all like millions of rounds and yeah you know all the rockets explosives everything it was cool that was like my that was an eye-opener for me i was like oh this is awesome and then uh cqb and then there the guys that ran the assault cell back then they were all um old school dev group guys so we did we had like a really good cqb package yeah I'm it, was, sure. it was awesome it was awesome we we're and and then you know a little bit of diving and comms and all the normal stuff and then we had our our board at the end you know you gotta go in the conference room and all the chiefs and master chiefs are in there yeah. and you know they would just grill you for hours it was awesome it was fun and then we got our we went out to the i think ever i think there was only like six or eight of us that went through so at the end then we all went out to the beach and the whole command and we took our shirts off and everybody lined up in a single file line and they pounded our trident in our chest and the next guy rips it out pounds yep. it in rips it oh, out yeah. pounded oh. in like every single person at the command pounded in but it was <laughs> but we we're so excited to have it done we're like oh, at that awesome. point yeah 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 yeah, yeah i believe cool. they, i believe they would call that hazing <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, I think, totally that's a, that, that I think that was a huge mistake getting rid of hazing. They need, they, they, you got, I think, I think right that of, definitely, right uh, passage, man. 
rite of passage, and I definitely think it softened the whole uh, probably mentality. Yeah, you know, it's not not just I'm, physical; it's it's a mental thing. It mentally hardens you. Well, I mean, it's and it's something that you want. Like it's gonna suck, but I want this. I don't want to. Yeah, like when we when when we fir- we had the first SQT class when I was at SEAL Team Four. They checked in with their tridents. We made them take their tridents off and we put them in a birdcage. And like, you were not, you do not get these until yeah. our platoon chief says you get them. That's, that's how it works. And I think it's probably softened up since then, but maybe it hasn't. I mean, yeah. I know there's, yeah. there's still know. studs going through it. I just think a lot of yep. the senior leadership of, you know, I think yeah. that a lot of them have turned political and a political is a nice way to say a bunch of pussies. Yeah. Yeah. One of my buddies, he just retired after I think 30 or 35 years. And he's like, I was talking to him. Um, He's like, dude, he goes, you wouldn't even recognize it. He's like, it's completely unrecognizable. It's nothing. He's like, the still teams that you were in, there's nothing left of it. It's gone. What? Like, you have any examples? I left in, in, I was a team six for eight years. So I left the conventional teams in 2004, 2003. Because when I I was there, I was concerned about the way it was changing. What was some of it? Because someone that was in He he was saying it's just like, uh, like, I guess, politically correct. Like, you have to. Like you, you can't even talk to people a certain way, or you can like file file a complaint and say this guy is hurting my feelings the way he's talking to me. Especially if you're a new guy and uh, older guys are. Wait, wait, so seals can say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think I got some blood coming out of my ear right now. Yeah, yeah, and he he retired as a master chief, and he was yeah. like, dude, he goes, he goes, I almost got kicked out for hurting too many feelings <laughs> for being a master chief for like for hurting people's feelings. Oh shit! Was he now? Was now he must have, so thirty five years? He must have been. He was a CMC for a while. I'm sure he probably moved up. Yeah, yeah, ladder. yeah, yeah. He's been a couple CMCs. He was he was in, he was actually one of the guys that put me through STT at SEAL Team Five back see, in the day. See, those are the the first you... the first day I met this guy, he punched me in the face like square in the mouth like that was a hello yeah and then and then I, but i punch him straight back and he's like well fuck yeah he's like he's like oh yeah i like that he goes that was a test he goes you passed i was like all right cool <laughs> then after yeah. that we're friends of course that's a yeah. great way to meet that's um and that's what they should that that's the kind of guys that we need in there too the senior enlisted oh, guys yeah. are gonna yeah and uh and uh, we we had uh i remember rtf remember, rtf rough tough fuckers that's what we used to call it <laughs> yeah we right? had a dude, I, the first conversation he had with our command master chief was he walked in, he goes, master chief, I have a question. He goes, what's that? Where's the barbershop? Roger that. Like you went <laughs> right to the barbershop. And then there's, I, I walked, there was like the way team two, I, I checked into team two first. Like, you you know, you walk in the quarter deck, there's a hallway and then you got training and, and all that shit. And you go out back to where like engineering is and all that shit and the weight room. And I remember seeing, I don't know if it was Scott Neal, but it was, it was some big frog, man. He was walking to the, um, to the weight room and he was drinking a gallon of milk. It's like wow, I don't yeah. even know what to think about this place. I just got here, like I got to get out of this these dress yeah. blues. I'm yeah, the, yeah, and uh, above the uh, above the doorway in the gym, there is an old school like wooden navy sign, and it had it said "Small Arms Repair Locker." Yes, yes, <laughs> that was, right. Dude, I used <laughs> to love going to that gym. It was like old school, like Arnold Schwarzenegger gym. We used to just go in there and lift as heavy weights as we could. It had like a five hundred pound club on the wall. We it was just a bunch oh, of meatheads. Seriously? We were just we were yeah. just going in there and like get jacked. It was awesome. I'll tell you what, man. Thinking back to living there, um, um, you know, I was in obviously Virginia Beach, but being a young dude out of bud, SEAL team, like you know, go in PT, work, lunch, work, go out, boys, come back the next day, <laughs> shoot, work, lift. Uh, then the weekends, like we're all together. God, that was. I mean, again, yeah, 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 yeah. different life than I am right now. But man, that oh was yeah, a, that was a blast. Yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. It was like um 
it's like the warrior lifestyle. It was is is incredible. It's just you and like fifteen was, to thirty yeah. guys traveling around all over the like Everywhere. we were we we'd be traveling what three weeks, sometimes four weeks a month. We just basically come home, do laundry, check on things, and then go on the next trip and mm-hmm. i remember like you know because we're in such good shape and you know so good looking we'd, we'd show up to these hotels <laughs> and people would be like oh you guys are like a professional football team or soccer team and it was crazy like <laughs> right yeah seriously yeah it, 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 it was so much it was so much fun it was crazy like i mean you can't even make it up no i mean the, the fun stuff like going to we go to fort chaffee arkansas and that's just a great place of ranges everything from from live fire in uh, uh in rivers uh and then like you know you get done shower up go to outback and just get the yeah. biggest prime rib yeah. you can get yeah. those huge beers and oh, yeah. get the whole crew there oh yeah yep we, we used to say I'm... they're like yeah that, that whole thing was funny too like uh so what do you you guys like a professional football team no we're yeah. actually the we're the navy blimp team <laughs> we fly combat yeah. blimps yeah <laughs> Which is... yeah then everybody, everybody had like their own <laughs> made-up cover stories like yeah it was a rodeo clown or yeah, i don't know whatever i'm a plumber one. or a... <laughs> I don't know, who knows whatever everybody had like their own story oh that's fun <laughs> it was fun so that, yeah. was, that, so that was good yeah a lot of training travel and stuff and then so 9-11 happens now yep. how many deployments you've done before 9-11 uh two two and yep. then so what so you were at team three still at 9-11 team five, on 9/11? Team five. Yep. So, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was a team five. I, I yep. Why do I keep screwing up every? I know damn well you're a team five I've, I've yeah, said everything but team five now yeah so it was a 9-11 I was um I was actually going through sniper school for my second time. What <laughs> so, happened the first time? Oh, I got kicked out for uh, coming in past curfew. What the hell was curfew? So the first time, so we go up to Colinga, California, it's up mm-hmm. in Northern California. And we did our sniper training at a private shooting club. They had a thousand yard range up there. And they had all those like, like Vietnam era guys. Um, and these guys were all, professional shooters they shoot on like the pack fleet matches and all these um civilian Uh competitions and then we you know we had our team guy instructors up there but we would do our i think we did like eight weeks up there for shooting and Mm -hmm. i I was on week seven right Ah. (laughs) where i passed all the guns we're doing 50 cows and then went out drinking with the guys and uh came in past curfew and one of the instructors came up he's like oh where were you last night i should have just said oh i could have said anything i wanted but i was honest i was like oh yeah i went out blah blah and he's like Oh, thanks for being honest with me, but you got to go yeah. back to your command. I was like, what? So anyways, but I go back again later and then, um, we're on the strand. I think it was, we, the second time the the whole structure of the course changed, they just stocking first and then shooting. So we, we finished up yeah. our stocking and then we're at the, uh, back on the strand. And I remember out, we were out doing like a, whatever, like a Island run, like a five mile run around Coronado something like that. You run through all the streets in the neighborhood and that's cool. I come back in on the quarter deck and there's another team guy on the quarter deck and he's like, dude, you hear what happened? And I was like, why? What happened? And they had the TV on the quarter deck and it was the twin towers burning. I was like, Oh shit. Oh, and man. yeah. So then, um, I got pulled out of sniper school again. Cause they're like, Hey, we got to We got to deploy. So then we, uh, basically spent the next two, three weeks loading out and we were supposed to fly straight through Afghanistan Yep. We we got screwed. We end up we end up getting on the ARG with the Marines. The and amphibious f- ready group. Yep. So we 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 left out of San Diego, went to Hawaii for a couple of days, and went all the way to the coast of Pakistan. 
And then we got stuck with a shipboarding mission because they said Osama bin Laden's son is going to make a run from Pakistan to Somalia and he's going to hide on a cargo ship. So we're like, okay. So we're like, okay, yeah. When do we get to go to Afghanistan? You know, when do we get to go? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. one of those things. So we, we never went to Afghanistan. We did the shipboarding stuff. And then we, um, we did a real world hydro, hydro recon mission nice. in Pakistan. Good call. Yeah. In Pakistan. So we, we did a hydro recon mission in Pakistan and, um, and then, you know, back, what, now what was okay, so, first? What, what, which ship did you ride over on? Um, uh, the Pearl Harbor. And what kind of ship was that? It wasn't the the big one. Was the Bonharm Richard the big yes. helicopter carrier? So we're on like one of this. I don't even know. I don't know what the ship is. What kind yeah, there's of ship like an LPD. Uh, yeah, it's like a it's like a it's like a smaller ship, and yeah. um, it's got a wet well on the back. But it was a that's brand new a, ship. That's got a suck going on. Oh, it's a brand new ship. That's not it bad. Was brand new. So, so yeah, it was, it was nice. It was brand new. So we rode that over and then, um, you know, it was like us and our boat unit guys. And we just went out and boarded ships and didn't. Can you no, explain nothing. the, can you explain the hydro recon? I've done, I've done two of those for real. And obviously the training sucks worse, but would you, were you in Karachi? Where were you guys? Um, I don't even remember to be honest with you. It was, I think it was somewhere in Southern Pakistan. And the reason we did the hydro was because the Marines needed to land their tanks yep. on the beach. And then they were going to drive them to an airfield and put them on aircraft and fly them in Afghanistan. So we happen. did hydro for the Marines to land their tanks on the beach. So we, uh, you know, we said we had like a command element. It was, Two two guys and then uh, two M60 gunners, so four guys total. The M60 gunners on the flank, they they're up on the sand, and then two guys okay. are OIC and, and the radio man were in the center beach. Yep. Then the rest of us, I don't I don't remember to be honest. It was, it was like two thousand yards off. And in, in training, you use these strings with a weight, yeah. and, you, and it's got knots tied in it. So mm -hmm. you have to like count the knots, how deep it goes before it stops sinking. Then you have a little plastic slate on your wrist and you write down the depths and then yep. so everybody swims in online to the next like every 50 yards so we swim into the next line and we stop in in, in training around hand circles but at this time you know we have our waterproof yeah. so we're all talking on comms and we had these little um electronic sonar things handheld yeah it's and a then, fath fathometer yeah fathometer then we had like a little electronic pda on our wrist so it's like all digital oh, cool. so yeah so yeah. we we just uh Ping, 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 ping. Just did it. Did yeah. our yard lines went all the way into the sand, how, and then how big? No, how big was your chart that you made for the Marines? It was pretty big. I think it was like two thousand yards of beach. Okay, good. Yes, yeah, it enough. was big. Yeah, it, it was pretty big. Now, see, so you know what? Normally, um, again, I don't know when this will happen again because every day can bring something new. But go, going to an invasion with an ARG with the Marines, when, if you want to get into a fight, that's not a bad place to be because they're going to go right. right into it. So yep. what, what were the, uh, yeah, the the, 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 and most of the Marines went in, um, what was it? It was, uh, TF dagger, I think, uh -huh. or K bar, K bar, TF K bar. K -bar. So that was the Marine task. So they were like the main show. Yeah. And we're trying to get in there to augment them since we're now attached to the ARG and a team three platoon got in there somehow. and like, yeah, sneak well. this, like totally like, Hey, cut in front of well, us basically one of the first rules of being a seal is buddy is only half a word exactly it pays to be a winner <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah so you do that and then what, what were the shipboardings like what kind of ships were you taking down 
Uh, so we never even did a real world one. We did like training boardings, like four nights a week. We'd go out on the ribs in the Indian ocean and board Navy ships or those, um, MPS ships, you know, the military mm-hmm. pre-positioning ships. Yeah. And then we never, we so stupid. We never even did another, a real world boarding out there. So, but we, we, we are hooking and climbing like two, three nights a week. Yeah. And then, we, yeah, we, we did, we, that, we did so, a couple there too, but. And I was like two, three months. And then, um, I think we had, that was like, we're in, um, like month four, four of the deployment. And I think at that time it was like, obvious, we're not going to get invited into Afghanistan. Right. We're just sitting out there rotting. So they're like, Hey, we're going to open up a base in Northern Kenya so we can roll into Somalia. And we're like, all right, let's go. So we flew off the ARG, packed up all our stuff, like packed up everything on, and, um, before actually first we had to go recon the area. So we did another, it wasn't a hydro recon, but it was a over the beach in uh, Northern Kenya, right next to the Somali border. And, you know, they're like, Hey, there's sharks, blah, blah, blah. And like, oh, yeah, you know, like there. people being attacked in Somalia and this and that. And so it was like one o'clock in the morning, the ribs dropped us off and I, I brought my, uh, 686, 357. Yeah. I was like, in case, I'm, shoot, <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing something I can shoot underwater. <laughs> so that, that uh, thing, that th- I don't care who you are. That thing will work. Yeah. So I brought my 680. Yep. I brought my 686. <laughs> and then, cause I was the ordinance guy in the art. We had like every kind of ammo, every caliber, everything, like the amount of ordinance we have. So, so the guys are like, Hey, do we have any 357 ammo? I'm like, yep, we got tons. So we all brought our 357s and swam over the beach in the middle of the night. And then I remember, and the sun came up, it was like white sand, tropical paradise. I was like, well, oh, yeah. I, it looks like we're in the Bahamas. <laughs> you know? So yeah, like you're no shit setting up a base. Like there's nothing there. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. so then, um, so then we end up linking up with the Kenyan um, park ranger guys picked us up off the beach the next day. And then they took us to this Island is Lemu Island. <laughs> and that was a, it. It ended up being like a, they built up a big base there over the years, but we we're the first ones there. And we spent the rest of the trip there sleeping in hammocks in the jungle, you know, it, that's, a, yeah, and, that's an odd yeah. place to be like, right. Th- and then it took like the war. Yeah, and then it took like another deployment or two of guys building it up, and then they started, yeah, actually doing missions out of there. But I didn't, I didn't see any of that. I, it was just uh, like admin logistics we did there. So you got to be thinking, well, shit, I'm going to miss the war. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, so when we got back, um, we all thought we're like, dude, we missed the war. Like, mm-hmm. we it's it's over, right? We That's missed it. it. That's it. The war's over. I was like. Phew. This is stupid. So, you know, we literally thought we missed the war. <laughs> literally, we know it'd go on for 20 years. Just taking a second here in between uh, cool stories and reminiscing about the past, talking about the team room, the uh, the trips, the dives. I knew dives, that guys that used to uh, do dives with a dragger, the, the rebreather, and they could dip uh, tobacco, and they would either gut it. I don't know how they would do it. But guys would even uh, dip on on um, open circuit dives, which is crazy. I don't know. How, I couldn't scuba dive and dip. I would throw one in after, but I couldn't. Uh, it's the same as like, to me, we'd be like trying to light a cigar underwater. It just ain't going to happen. But uh, for different reasons. We, we would dip everywhere I went. But um, I've mentioned this before. I've heard, probably heard a lot of guys talk about it. We used to dip tobacco, but I wanted to get away from it. But I love the ritual. I loved getting up in the morning early to 
you know, have a quick cup of coffee and a dip because it made it made everything start to work, if you know what I mean. But I wanted to get away from the tobacco. And I've talked about black buffalo. I know a lot of people are talking about black buffalo. I love it. It's uh, the same ritual. It's everything you love about dipping and nothing that you don't. And it's got a lot of great flavors. It's got long cut and pouches, uh, both both with and without pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Uh, but no tobacco. It's made from edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, stuff like that, like cabbage and whatnot. And the, I, I'm a big fan of the flavors. Wintergreen peach mint, straight, even blood orange. It sells online, and it will deliver right to you at blackbuffalo.com. Check out blackbuffalo.com with promo code THEOPERATOR and save 15% on your first order. Uh, also, you know, it, it goes online. At blackbuffalo.com, you can also check out the store locator. If you can go in and get it, we, we got it around, um, around the country. You can honor your rituals. Born in the Midwest, raised in the South. Blackbuffalo.com, 15% at checkout when you use code THEOPERATOR. Blackbuffalo.com. We, I didn't know it'd be there either. I thought I thought we missed it too because I was in Kosovo and then Germany and then we flew back. I was like, well, shit, I guess we're done. Then, then um, so that was like, oh, two, so we invaded in, in March of 03, Iraq. Yep. Now, did you go, were you on the invasion there? I was two weeks after the invasion. Okay, that's, so, that's an um, intense time. Yeah, so the, I was originally, my next platoon cycles was supposed to go over to PACOM and, you know, because I was like, oh, yeah, the war is over, right? So yeah. we, there's still some guys in Afghanistan and um, they stood up a mobility detachment at SEAL Team 5. And yep. that was the first time we had mobility on the West Coast and since the the Gulf War in the, 1991 when they they had the dune buggies, the DPBs. Yeah, that, that, now that was Team 3, right? Yeah, that was Team 3. Okay, yep. I finally got one right. <laughs> yeah, so that was Team 3. They had the DPVs. And traditionally, yep. Team 3 had always been the Desert Warfare Team. Right. right? Yep. And then Team 5 were, were the... Uh, cold weather guys so yeah, north korea type stuff if the balloon goes up in north korea that was going to be our you know yeah. that was going to be our show and then the seal team one they were the jungle warfare guys so yep. now everybody does everything everything's standardized but um that was mm-hmm. kind of the way it went back then but so till seal team five we stood up mobility and then <clears throat> you know they sent us out to rod hall and all the driving schools yeah. like, Good school. so um yeah it was awesome and then we we all went to Heavy weapon schools went to mortar schools to the army, and um, and then we had to learn uh, mounted tactics. So we started studying all the army mounted tactics, and then you know we did all our immediate action drills mounted in our vehicles. Mm-hmm. You know, shooting the heavy weapons and, and setting and up mortars. Who, who I never would have thought that indirect fire and and uh, mounted I uh, immediate action drills in Humvees would have played such a big part for Navy SEALs, but that turned into like everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, we had, a, we had to, we had to like learn all this stuff, you know, as a, as the buildup was going for the 2003 Iraq. So that's all we were doing, just heavy weapons and trucks in the desert and Toyota trucks, Humvees, you know, mortars, rockets. And then we, then we had the UAV piece. So we had the, all the drones and stuff. So we could spot for ourselves with the drones when we we're using the mortar call for fire and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, then we headed over to Kuwait right as I was about to kick off and SEAL Team 3 was there ahead of us. So they're like, hey, you guys got to basically stand fast and let SEAL Team 3 get some for a couple of weeks and then you guys tag, you know, swap them out. And we're like, okay. So we sat there in Kuwait at the Ali Al Salim Air Base for like yep. a couple of weeks and then SEAL Team 3 went in there, got all their stuff and then they came back, did a turnover with us, and then we went up 
to Baghdad, started working. And what? And so that's right after the invasion. So what? What kind of missions mm-hmm. are you doing in Baghdad? Are you hunting bath party? Yep. That, so so our main from the siege of Soda, our main target was the they'd call them the Saddam Fedayeen guys or like yeah. a oh yeah 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 like a terrorist group, a states sponsored terrorist group. So we they we were pretty serious these, too. Yeah. So we 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 hunted these guys down like all, Iranian border, Syrian border, up north, down south. We'd go get these guys and then start slowing down a little bit. And, um, our troop chief had, he, he was, um, gold, a gold squadron was over there. So we went over and talked to them and, uh, they're like, Hey, you got to talk to the OGA guys. They'll give you more missions. So mm-hmm. we started talking to OGA guys and we basically worked that deal with them. Cause they, you know, they're, they're wanted to look for the weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. So we would go with the agency to look for weapons of mass destruction and in turn, they give us basically endless targets. So we were busy like seven nights a week, two, three houses a night. And then during the daytime, we just drive around with the agency guys looking for like going to empty warehouses and like going to the middle of nowhere and digging, looking for weapons of mass destruction. Oh, you, you were legit looking for them. Oh yeah. We we'd go to like the courtyards of big apartment buildings, downtown Baghdad and bring excavators and dig these giant holes like we were hit like this big dam we did a big mission hit this dam and we had we cut up all yeah. the floor floor looking for um you know chemical weapon barrels and all this stuff and yeah we, we would do all this stuff all over the time all over the place looking for the wmd and then in turn those guys because the siege of soda didn't keep us that busy yes but but the agency guys i mean we we're turning and burning it was like seven days a week non-stop well, they got to find him. I mean, I mean, I know, I know everyone out there now, the conspiracy theorists that they lied about WMDs like Saddam used them before. So they had to have gone yeah. somewhere. Yeah. I mean, personally, I think they probably went to Syria because Bashar al-Assad used them again. Right. They were there somewhere. Um, yep. And I think, you know, talking about the invasion of Iraq is a completely different podcast episode. But mm-hmm. uh, no, but when so the, I from God, I wasn't on the invasion, but from what I heard, the invasion was great. But then it kind of got cool after a while and then it didn't heat up for another few months. Right. Yeah, well, not for us because, like I said, we're we we basically we're we're part of the siege of Sodaf, but we we were by that time, you know, we're getting target packs every single night from the agency. What, so, what kind of targets um, were they? Uh, the, the deck of cards, HPTs. Oh, cool! Did you run yeah, any yeah. of them? Tons, yeah, dude. We're rolling up dudes every night. Or, I mean, I think the highest guy we went after was Blackjack number eleven on the deck of cards. Um, yeah. Oh wow. We we ended up not getting them, but everybody's trying to get them. Like um, at that time, uh, like the blue guys rotated out, then the green was trying to get them. Then they're like, "You guys can take a shot at it." So, but but we got we got a lot. We got a lot of these guys on the deck of cards. The original deck of cards was a it was a black list. It was like the you know fifty two fifty two cards, but then it yeah. expanded into the black and gray list, and there was like I think it was at the time it was like one hundred and twenty of them. And so I mean we're we're going out like nightly every night. We we would leave like. 11 o'clock at night we're driving or we take the helos or do both and we're hitting targets every night seven days a week sometimes multiple targets all night target 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 and then come back at like sunrise driving back into the base or flying in was there um many shootouts because i know that's back when like they kind of scattered and they weren't as organized as uh, al-qaeda and the not a lot there was a few there was a few but not i mean we're on all my trips, I guess I 
lucky. We never, I never got any big dick draggers. Everything kind of just boom, 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 chips all fell in place. But there was a, we got in a few uh, shootouts, but not a lot. Like what was we, the first we, we, I mean, we, we caught him, we caught him by surprise pretty oh, much yeah. every night. Yeah. So what, what was the first gunfight you were in? Okay. So we're hitting a house. Um, we're going after the wife and kids of a um, Iraqi general. He was in Syria. So they're like, Hey, go grab his wife and kids. We're going to use them for leverage to have them come back. So we go to the house. They got bodyguards and somebody had a idea to use a chainsaw to breach the door instead of explosives. Wow. That's Hey, yeah. step yeah. it up. Okay. That's one of the yeah. ways you go. You go, uh, so it was like, mechanical, right. yeah. So first. we did. Yep. So, but before that, we're just using like three and a half foot C4, yeah. C6 charges every yeah. night. And, but, um, that'll work. So we did the chainsaw and I was outside on, in one of the blocking positions with a couple other guys. Cause I was, remember I was doing mobility. So, uh-huh. um, we're out there and the chainsaw goes off and then, you know, flashbang. And then it was like, boom, 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 boom. And uh, the first thing came to my mind, cause at that point, you know, yeah. we, we already knocked out like 40 direct action missions and it's just oh, boom, boom, boom. Like everything's going the way we want it. So I hear that boom, 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 boom. And the first thing that comes to my mind, I'm like, Oh, why are they using the Polish Grom uh, nine bangers? Cause the, you know, we, we use the, single bangs with a um m142 mark 142 flash bangs i think i don't remember but so they they have the nine bang the grom guys had the nine bangers so i thought our guys had some polish nine bangers nine bangers yeah it it didn't uh come to mind that it was actually you know gunfire and i was like oh shit they're shooting so our guys guys shooting or yeah it was our guys it was it was both they're shooting as our guys are going through the door because the chainsaw gave him time to set up yeah the ch- well the chainsaw's that- not exactly quiet i mean granted yeah. I, I would love to be the first kid on my block to get a chainsaw kill but it wouldn't yeah. be my uh like if i'm using a chainsaw i'm going through the wall not the yeah so there was like a two barricaded shooters one guy was like oh shit behind really? a corner down the hall not like full-on barricaded but one of the guys was like where the hallway turns he was just with the ak pointed on the corner another guy was standing right in the kitchen so our guys uh you know, mop them up quick. And then that's good. That's good. Because I mean, you know, as yeah. you know, if you're, if someone knows you're coming or if you're pursuing them and they stop and wait for you, that's you're at a disadvantage and I don't give yeah. a shit what you're wearing. If you're up close and someone's got an AK, that's a bad day if you get hit. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the first time that we had any resistance on a target. And I was like, like I said, it didn't even click at first. I thought it was yeah. a, a nine banger. Then after that, I was like, okay, it's, it's, it's now it's getting real. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, then there was like a couple others, but not, um, like I said, nothing big. They're all every time we had any kind of uh, resistance, it was over quick, like within seconds. Yeah, that's well, that's good. Us, that's, what, that's the way yeah. you want it. That's why. That's why yeah. in in training, in in STTSQT, in the workup, that's that's why you shoot so many times. Because if you do something ten thousand times, you're going to be good at it when you need it. And it be, right, muscle memory takes it before you even know it. And that's that's good to hear. Yeah, I remember one night we we're driving out to the Syrian border. Um, There's like we probably had like 10 trucks in our, our half. Most of the guys are going to fly out on the helos. So we, we drove out in the trucks and I'm in the back of one of the trucks sleeping, you know, it's, and it, it was freezing ass cold out in the desert that night. And I'm just like in the back, you know, like shivering, sleeping and the trucks, all four tires lock up. It's like sliding sideways. And we're like, what the fuck? So we'll like, grab our guns. We're like, 
what the fuck's going on? And then uh, we're going over a bridge over this huge ravine. It's like a two, 300 foot tall. It's like one of those bridges you could base to jump off, you know, <laughs> and the bridge is blown out. So the night before F-18 dropped a fucking bomb on the bridge. and blew. So we almost drove off it. Like we stopped like 20 feet before the bridge. Oh, so the the driver saw it. So he's on not. Yeah, no, the gunner saw it. We had a we had a guy up top on the on the fifty cal, and he, you know, he, I didn't even hear it because we all had our comms on. But I don't know if he kicked the driver what, but we we literally all four tires sliding. Oh, sideways so we, you know, we skidded because all of a sudden we're going to go off the edge of this damn bridge. Holy yeah, shit. we literally. You would think like that would be feet. something like the, the you could you could deconflict with the air force or the navy whoever dropped the bomb on the bridge. <laughs> if you're driving yeah. over the bridge, part of it ain't there. Like well, I don't want because I mean, they. They blew it out the night before, so it hadn't, uh, you know, hit all the channels yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, I guess, too, where you don't need a parachute to base jump, but you do need a parachute to base jump more than once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we, we just backtrack and we found a road and we, we drove down through the ravine and drove up the other side. <laughs> so how many, how many pumps to uh, Iraq? Because I know you guys uh, went to, like, I think we kind of took our eyes off Afghanistan and pushed Iraq, so kind of everybody was yeah. going to Iraq at that point. Yeah. So that, so then after that one, um, you know, cause we're working with the agency every night after that, I was, was either reenlist or get out. And I, I talked to the agency guys and they're like, Hey, come work with us. So I was Is like, all right, I'm out. out. Yeah. yeah. So I, then, I went over that. There. That's a, I went that's over there a, and that's a good move too, because, uh, yeah. God knows how long it's going to last. You know, the pay is good and it's, they're great dudes. So you went, so you finished that one and then went to, so you moved to the East coast then. Yep. No, um, no, I, w- I was a contractor. Okay, cool. So I still, I lived on the West coast and then I would just, um, fly to DC and, you know, jump on the bird and head over. And then it, and then it was like, Iraq, 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 um, bunch of times until 2008. And then after that, um, then I, uh, you know, I started meeting all these other people contracting. So I, I, I was jumping around on different contracts and stuff. So head over to uh afghanistan in 08 that was my first time over there and then where'd you go in afghanistan uh, um jbad jbad now what, J- what year was that 08 that was 2008 yep now was that because when i was there the last time i was there was uh 2011 no okay no i was there in tw- no i didn't go to jbad though but i i was a uh the senior enlisted advisor for all the outstations and we stayed at that that um european resort they built and the agency built in jay did you stay there uh no we're we're on a little camp right outside that um, that was a nice base <laughs> silver like silver squadron was there um and then we're actually we're we're doing da's out of there we'd go up into the konar and yeah go up to like work out of us like a sadabad or they um there was a i think it was called co combat outpost monty there's a little teeny tiny uh-huh. like dot on the map we'd go there and um yeah you get go, a, we need, it wasn't like it wasn't like a rack op tempo work it was like you know once once no, every couple those, weeks go out those dudes when you anywhere you get north of jbad into a sadabad take a left into pesh river valley you are now in no shit indian country and, oh yeah uh, those guys are a lot more serious then, oh, yeah. uh, I mean, they're, they, they're not as book smart, educated. Like they're, those are the people that for my experience anywhere, they, they would say, well, you don't need to build this a school. Cause why would I send my kids to school when I could teach them how to farm? They're going to run the animals, right. uh, but they, they've been, they've also been fighting their entire lives. And you got dudes that, that are t- 
25 years old. They look 90, but they're actually 60. They have no idea what they've time been, is. They've been fighting for centuries. That's all they know. They've been fighting yeah. since uh, Alexander the Great Peter, or all that. Yeah. Yeah. The British, the Russians, you know. Well, they, they everybody I ran, there. Into, I ran into dudes up there that thought they either thought we were Russians or that our uh, that 9-11 was their answer to uh, us invading Afghanistan. Oh, yeah. Like they, don't, they don't even know what it is. They, they don't know. Yeah. They don't know distance. They don't. I don't know. No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We, that, we, 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 we talked to people like they, they didn't even know what uh what colors were like. They <laughs> literally couldn't understand the concept of different colors and how to I, I know, label I them. Met, I met dudes that they could they could name each of their brother's name, but they didn't know what the number six was. They couldn't say there's six of them. They didn't know what that yeah. meant, but they knew their names. Right. Crazy. Right. Yep. Different yeah. planet, man. Like that's even like, well, OK, but we'll get into that in a minute. But so what your mission there with uh, I don't. You can stop me. I, I don't know what you can and can't say, but basically your job was to train like the locals, the CTPT, stuff like that. It, yeah, we weren't with, I wasn't with the CTPTs. It was through a private contract through uh, one of the government agencies, but it was different than the one you're thinking. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so we train these local guys and then we go out and uh, do missions with them. Like, like I said, not a lot, like a few here and a few there, but you know, we'd roll out with like 50 trucks. And then, you know, we talked to the local guys at JBAD and we'd have like fires or Apaches on standby and have the EC-130 go out and burn the route. And we roll up, we'd go drive and park and walk a few miles and go to a compound and grab some dudes and head back. What was your impression of the locals, of the Afghans? My impression of them? Yeah, what'd you think of them um, as, a, as, a, as a fighting unit? I mean, some of them, some of them are actually good. Some of them are, uh, some, I mean, some of them had their shit together, some of them, but then, you know, some of them had no idea what they're doing, no matter what you teach them. Like, you know, we're walking up, patrolling up to a target in the middle of the night and the dudes are having ADs, you know, <laughs> like, boom, like, oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they... so, I mean, so, and then it's like, I don't know, it, it was a mix and then I, I and then I, I went back later more with um on a different program and we worked with guys who were we had some guys who were really good and but yeah. I mean it's it's hit or miss. That's what I but found. They too. Definitely, I mean, they definitely need they definitely need um they definitely needed our leadership equipment and structure. It seemed yes. like when they're on their own, it's kind of like a circus. They didn't have a prayer. Um even the yeah. dudes that we we because we had our share of guys that believed in the cause. They were good dudes that, you know, and some, I remember some of the bosses, um, I don't know how they're enlisted in officer shit runs, but they would get extremely frustrated with a lot of their own guys, their own Afghans that would, um, cause you got the guys that wanted to work and the, the other guys that were completely inshallah, God willing. It's like, yeah. you were supposed to be here at 8am inshallah. You know, yeah. I, I, God didn't want me to make it here until 10, 10, Yep. Yep. <laughs> God literally, it's like, you look at, did God literally say 10, 10 30? <laughs> yep. And then, yeah. And then, training driving gunfight whatever when it's time to pray they stop everything and stop everything roll well, out would, and, right. would do that sometimes yeah 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 it's i mean it, it's a completely different culture and that i think the problem oh, is it's, they, even they, saying they, a different culture doesn't doesn't give it no i mean because like when i was because i did a, a lot of that we did some some uh combined ops and then we did the unilateral stuff but 
every all my guys I'm, I'm assuming most of your guys and everyone who was on the ground when we withdrew from afghanistan and the and the stupid politicians were saying oh no they're they're not going to take Kabul. we've trained for 20 years it's like they're going to roll these dudes in four to five days the, the taliban is going to destroy these people because in my experience they're so used to having the tough guy with them they're like the little dog with the big dog behind them and if the fight comes to okay fine we'll come in and win the apaches the the daps or the ac-130 is going to win when we leave, you guys are fucked. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, later on, I was up in uh, Asadabad, did a bunch of trips up there. And we had one of our interpreters, he's really good. He was awesome. And he actually, he got killed after the uh, pullout. But he, I, I, you know, they always have to pray. And I was like, I asked him one day, you know, as I was talking, shooting the shit with him. And I was like, hey, why do you, why do you guys have to pray all the time? Why, can't you skip it? And he said, because when you guys leave, the Taliban will take over and they'll come like take an inventory and whoever hasn't prayed will be killed. So how even while they they're, they, they this, is when, this is like at the height of the war when they're working with us and they knew well, oh, they, right? they are saying when they, when the ta Taliban takes this over is in like 2011 and he knew, he knew in 2011, he's like, when you guys leave, that's it. Like and they knew it. Back. I mean, one of the best sayings we've been saying is, um, well, even the Taliban was saying that um, um, the Americans have the clocks, but we have the time. Yeah. And exactly. that's you're going to leave eventually. All we got to do is, you know, Run the and clock. again, I, and I think that they that even they could see that with the uh, the the disconnect with the leadership to the guys on the ground. Um, I everyone that I know that was on the ground knew what was going to happen in Afghanistan, knew it. And then. I mean, you get the politicians involved and even the the high ranking officers that are they're so high ranking. They're politicians, too, because they're just waiting mm -hmm. for their next the, the, for, they're waiting to put their four stars off their uh, shoulders and then get their huge contract that they helped. Um, um, yeah. Helped like sign Lockheed and Martin or Northrop yeah. Grumman or oh, yeah. whatever. And again, yep. again, working with those big time contractors, we, I love having the the stinger missiles and the and the and the, um, you know, the the all the stuff that we have to help us the engineers are great but you get into the lobbying thing and all the stuff that they're you know lobbying for and the 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 wars end but the contracts don't and that's what part yeah. of the problem is i mean when we yep. like one of the things i was saying too was um if if we took a bunch of great planners from the seal teams and in early of uh 2021 come up with the worst plan possible for getting out of afghanistan we couldn't have done worse than that if we tried no, no. Because I don't well, think it, like I said, it's intentional. It's intentional. Like the, it's got to be the pullout of Afghanistan. It's intentional. They're, that's that's not bad planning. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard stories just recently. Uh, there's a book that came out that I got to read. And I forgot the name of it. Where so we did turn over. Um, so we're um, we're fast forwarding now to withdrawing from Afghanistan. We're pulling out of uh, Hamid Karzai International Airport, whatever the fuck that is. Um, and they they left security up to the Taliban to let the Americans get out. And and that's the, the Taliban has a perimeter. They've got Marines inside. Who's making that decision? State Department. Yeah. Oh, State Department. Jesus. Yeah. 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 I it's, I mean I don't even have words for for you've got Marine snipers out there saying identifying a suicide bomber and they can't get permission to to, yeah, to engage I know, I and know. they were even saying uh well who's not giving me well, i don't know like no one knew yeah. and then, the thing well, that the, the question is the, the real question is why do they need permission you shouldn't need permission you got if you're exactly. troops in, you don't even need to get shot out to consider troops in contact if you perceive a threat that's a tick 
Exactly. And you can, you should be able yeah. to engage, but again, you're at a you point should be able to take the initiative, right? Yes. Initiative th- is the key word. I think 20 they, years, they, they, like they've taken away the initiative from our troops. Oh, totally. have. And I think 20, 20 years of kissing ass is even the local. I mean, you got to figure that that place was corrupt. We were, de- it's so hard to explain to people. We're dealing with a culture that doesn't know what money is. And then when you start flooding the place with money and they know damn well, if they have all this cash, they can trade that for a ride to Dubai where they can buy a house with cash and they have flats mm-hmm. there. The corruption. I mean, th- th- we talked about corruption at the beginning with American politics. Can you imagine giving millions of dollars to a bunch of cavemen? Exactly. And, and so the corruption is there. And then we got so wrapped around. They learned the locals, even the people that were allies, they learned they could push us around as just complaining. Yeah, I remember um, Karzai's brother, um, Wally Karzai. Uh-huh. He was one of the biggest opium. Well, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know what you call them, like a, the growers in the in the in the country. And the state State Department had this program. It was called the Poppy Eradication Program. Yes. And I was not on it, but my, one of my friends was on it. He was telling me they would they fly out there, you know burn these crops down and blow up the labs where they process it. But the next Valley over the whole Valley is green with poppy. opium, mm-hmm. but it's off limits. Cause that's president Karzai's brothers. Brother, yeah. And again, too, we're, and doing we're fine that, with like, that. They would give us targets knowing we're taking out this poppy field simply because they are in competition with the Karzai's. Right. So burn that. Yep. And so you're helping them. They're making the whole corruption thing. And then everyone gets like, because we we're like when everything to rules of engagement, we're the only ones dumb enough to make rules that only we follow. And they know that shit and yeah. they can complain about everything. They can bitch about this. And then, I mean, even to the point when we're pulling out and this infuriated me, they have those Marines cleaning up like l- human feces. Like they're, they're spit oh, shining. Yeah. They're polishing a turd because we're literally treating it like, well, we're turning it over to the Taliban and they're going to be our friends now. It's like, yeah. On what fucking planet? Like, and these guys <laughs> giving these orders have obviously never. Like, I hate when politicians say, "Well, I've been to Afghanistan." No, you haven't. Exactly. You, you, you no, no, you went to you went to Bagram. Right. You haven't been to Afghanistan. They 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 literally live in outdoor plumbing. There's no there's it's shit streets and shit water. And it's, I don't I don't know if people understand how dirty a bathroom is in Afghanistan, where they shit. You know, it's a hole in the ground. And it is nasty. It look it's like the nastiest thing you can imagine. It is filthy, disgusting, nasty. And you can't you the can't, American politicians forced the Marines to go in there and clean these. It's fucking sickening. I'm I, I'm someone that talks a lot. I can't even I have no words. You got I mean what talk about mor- morale in in a shitter. It's, that's As humiliating. They basically humiliated those guys and yeah. not, not only humiliated them by making them clean up these disgusting shitters in Iraq, but they humiliated them by not letting them do their job. Like you're talking about these snipers who have to call in for permission to shoot, to engage a terrorist. I'm not allowed to do that. That's humiliating. And they made these guys bend the knee to the Taliban. They yeah. it's, it's demoralizing and humiliating to our troops. And the shitty thing is, too, is that I guarantee the Taliban are the ones saying they need this to happen for a safe pullout. And they're going back to the the palace that we built, laughing their asses off at us because they just won. They know they won. And now watch it. Watch us literally rub their faces in it. 
these stupid Americans. Yeah. And it's yeah. and it's not again because of the private or the corporal or the sergeant or I mean I I heard even the 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 sergeant major and the CEO of that unit went and cleaned it with them just to show like we're with you guys. That's bullshit. Someone needs to stand up to someone that someone needs to stand no. up to that. No, fuck you. And, pl and plus, I mean, if I was a senior enlisted leader, there, I'm like, look, you're not touching it because those fuckers aren't going to come inspect it. They're not. They're not. Yeah. They're not. They're, they're not even here anymore. They left. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. They literally humiliated our troops. Mm -hmm. But so here's another thing about where we're talking about these um, pullouts and stuff. I remember, like in the like 2011 through 13. 13 was my last time when I went over there. But when Obama was in office, when they started downsizing Afghanistan. They would, they're saying they're going to shut down these bases. So all the, we had helicopters coming in in the middle of the night and it's usually didn't fly during the day. So these helicopters are coming in, we're loading all the heavy weapons, the ordnance, and then our local fighting force guys who we would train with and fight with are, are like, are you guys leaving? We're like, no, no, we're not leaving. Like, why, why is everything leaving? We're like, oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> and, and they're like, don't tell them we're leaving until literally yeah. like it's like four truckloads full of guys driving off the base. And like, see you later. And these bases, are, these are like $30 million compounds are like crazy. And I know one of the guys went back there a couple months later and they had taken all the wiring out of the walls, the copper wiring. So they basically turned into a cave. Like the doors are off the hinges. The, all the inside of the buildings are covered with dust. Cause there's no doors, no windows, no wiring like within months that's this what happens to these super bases we built and and, and again too which is the the homesteading that we did there cuz you got to figure when we when we went to Bagram at first it was you know it's an old soviet base and the soviets don't exactly you know live in comfort and it was a shithole and then we built it up to a spot where they were literally handing out speeding tickets to guys from gold team that got an h uh, high value target they're driving to the airfield they got pulled over almost got it almost drew down on the goddamn mp stopping them because they're speeding and the speed limit was like three miles who the fuck has a speed limit and where's your reflective belt it's like yeah, this no, one's so over. crazy we, we've we've lost because i mean let's be honest because because a lot of times at the leadership level, we're just a bunch of pussies. We're, we're trying to play nice with everybody. That's that's what these politicians do. They try to yep. say the right thing or what? It's, it's either on purpose or they're. Again, I'm I'm feeling now the blood's I, moved from my. Yeah, eyes that's that's why we eyes. don't. Uh, um, that's why we don't win wars anymore. We when we we used to fight wars, we used to defeat our enemies yeah. until right. they would surrender. Remember the days of unconditional surrenders. Yes, that's, that's how you win. That's Last time we did that was World War II. Now yeah. we now we do this counterinsurgency bullshit, hearts and minds, and we give them billions and trillions of dollars through the USAID and the State Department. So you have on one side of the coin, you have the military and the CIA pounding the enemy over there. And then on the other side of the coin, you have the State Department and USAID yeah. undermining the other side and giving these people unlimited amounts of money. Well, I mean, we're we're funding the Taliban right now, and the Taliban they they're criminals, like the Haqqani Network. Yeah, they're terrorists. They're fucking criminals, and they're all they got to say to our dipshit diplomats is, yeah, just give us some money. We're not giving it to Al Qaeda. We're spending it on uh, on the people. No, they're not. Yeah, yeah. They don't see a penny of that shit. No, I mean, do you think, yeah, yeah they, they, they they no. We'll let we'll let the little girls go to school. Don't worry, the the women that are doctors, well, they can stay doctors and judge it. No, they can't. Yeah, and the Taliban is now one of the uh, best equipped fighting forces on well, the planet. Yeah, we, we left them everything because, I mean, they said, well, it's cheaper leaving it there than it is bringing it back. No, it's just because we know, not we, 
the politicians and the lobbyists and the generals know that if we leave it there, oh, we need to make more. So let's just sign another contract to build more. Let's get more yeah. Humvees. Let's build more stuff. We let them, our body armor, our camis, like even over in Ukraine, they want to put Abrams in there. Well, we got to give them new Abrams. Well, there's how many thousands of Abrams are in Europe? No, we got to build brand new ones. Why? Yeah. Well, because we have the contract. Okay. Exactly. That's good. good. Exactly. It's all, it's all, all these wars are about money now. Oh, totally. Well, I'm I'm starting to, I think most of them are anyway. We've out, we've outsourced all our manufacturing. We don't build anything here anymore. So our economy is now based on war. So having wars, if you you stop the wars, our economy will collapse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's always either the the only, uh, the only thing I think better at making money than war is uh, the threat of war keeping people afraid right. everything everything from the vaccine to ukraine to uh ch- well i mean china's going to invade china's running out of time because there's an election coming up in a year so they got to take taiwan soon uh yeah well, our, our, everything our government does is fear-based like the 9-11 everything is fear-based right the COVID vaccine fear-based everything is everything is a, a play on your emotions a lot of a lot of politicians know that if they keep you afraid, you'll give up more liberties because a lot of the American public, they will give up liberty for a false sense of security. And the thing with the government and with people in power is if you give them an inch, they're taking a yard. They're giving none of it back. Yeah, you never get it back. That's never. the thing. They, they use these um, emergency powers with these emergency authorization acts and say, this yeah. is only temporary. We're only going to do that. Well, like bullshit. The, Nothing is temporary. only for a couple of weeks. Look at look at New Mexico right now. Right. So the the governor, one woman decides because she's politically unpopular. I can I can declare the Second Amendment null and void. Right. You can't do that. She does that through the Emergency Powers Act. Emergency authorization. Just because you see it as emergency doesn't mean the the Constitution was written for that reason. Right. I think the only emergency going on is on our southern border and in Ukraine. Yeah, I think the the biggest emergency (laughs) is the southern border. Because I mean, like we said, a lot a lot of these a lot of these terrorists, not the ground pounders, they're smart dudes. Like if, if you needed to get into the United States, where are you going to go? The Southern border. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everybody, everybody on the planet is going through our Southern, the Southern everybody, border. How many unchecked. countries? I mean, we're, we're so dumb too. Like up in New York, we're letting all these illegals in that we're funding that's not with the taxpayer. Whoever's listening to this, if, if you, if you bought anything and pay taxes on it, you're paying for these, but the, instead of kicking people out, doesn't matter what country you're from. You need to get a translator now to speak that kid's language, which is complete bullshit. And it's hurting the taxpayer. Right. Yeah. I, I heard something. Uh, somebody told me this a couple of days ago saying that, uh, you know, our government is trying to reignite the COVID thing oh, for, for, sure. the, for the, for the elections, but, it, it's, but it's not, here. it's not working. So shuttling these uh, illegal, illegal immigrants around the country is, they said it's basically like moving assets. And then the next big thing is going to be immigration riots. It's going to be something because I mean, yeah, the, the, uh, I, so the American public is onto the mask and they're onto the vaccine thing. Uh, like the, the, the survival rate for COVID was like 99.5 or something like that. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, so it was, we haven't caught on to dominion yet. And I don't want to get too much into that because I don't want to spend the next two decades in prison. Exactly. But, um, but I mean, because you, you notice that because you got to admit, most of the media is in cahoots. And did you notice they make you say, but you admit it was a free and fair election, right? But you admit it was a free and fair. OK, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's a whole different episode, whatever. Um, yeah. But I mean, but you, know, you got this and and like I, I've had arguments about not arguments, but I got yelled at about the Second Amendment. And I believe me when I say the right to keep and bear arms, you need to, because 
it's getting tyrannical. Like the only thing I suggested was maybe crazy people. There, sh- there should be something. God forbid you mention that. Um, for the record, I hope you have as many guns as you can. But uh, oh, yeah. but just, yeah. just have a because poli- this is the first politician just to try. Let's see how far we can get away. Okay, it's only thirty days because they're saying, well, you can't sue me in thirty. You can, but no one has the the cojones to do it. Right. So now it's 30, 30 days, and it'll be thirty one, thirty two, mm-hmm. and then. Hey, two weeks. One state. Now it's two weeks and it's three, three states and it's, it's gone. Well, I mean, even, even look at now, like last week. So this is the week of, uh, like we said, 9-11, 22nd anniversary. Last week, the Biden administration agreed to, um, to uh, get, uh, was it 3 billion to Iran or is it 6 billion? 6 billion, 6 billion. billion. And it's there. So there's sanctions on them. They froze a bunch of, you know, the, the, the world's, the state, the the number one state sponsor of terrorism is Iran, and they they're involved with everything from Al Qaeda to Hezbollah to Hamas to ISIS. They're involved with all of them. Um, yeah, and recently it's the uh, oil tankers are hijacking left and right. Yeah, yeah, that's because we won't do anything. And then you'll hear people on the left say, "Oh no, that was Iran's money anyway." Well, yeah, yeah, but we froze it for a fucking reason because that's a yeah. deterrent sort of. And then they'll say, "Well, they're only using." I don't know why the left is so in love with Iran. Well, the, we'll let them enrich uranium just because it's for peaceful reasons. Bullshit. Yeah, if you think sense. Iran, so, you think Iran is is making nuclear power <laughs> for fucking so they can have air conditioning? You're out of line. They're trying to wipe Israel off the map, and you next. exactly. Yeah, but you so, can't admit that because everyone's they're just it's a fantasy land that, that some yeah, of these it makes people, no sense because the the left is so with this anti Russia thing, right? We have to defeat Russia. We have to pour yeah. money into Ukraine. We have to give all our stockpiles and weapons to Ukraine so we can defeat Russia. Well. Iran is Russia's biggest ally in this fight, and then on the, and then they want to defend Iran. So how does that work? Yeah, Iran. Well, I, yeah, Iran, Russia, and China—they're all together. And then North Korea yeah. is in the mix. <laughs> but, and but, it's always. But like, Iran is actively giving Russia ordnance, drones, yeah, technology. China. I mean, I'm sure China will, but they're they're trying to play the middle right now. But well, China's Iran smart is, about it because Iran China... is just openly doing it, uh-huh. and then the, our people on the left say. Yeah, look, we got to destroy Russia, but let's give Iran six billion dollars. Yeah, not even realizing the contradiction there too, and and the the game, oh they realize getting, it. Yeah, but as long as the media is controlled, the media is going to tell you exactly what the the big green machine, the deep state, wants you to hear. And a lot of people, I mean, there's there are people out there on both sides that won't turn off this news station or that news station. They refuse to watch all of them and then do any research of their own. I'm just going to be exactly. told, I'm going to be I'm going to be the sheep here, and I'm going to. You know, I'm going to do exactly what they tell me. That's and, why. And- uh, that's why back in the day they used to call TV channels programming. programming. On today's programming because it it programs your mind. I mean, it's hard to believe it. We're at a point. On 9-11, they announced they're giving Iran this money. And that's on, I mean, you mean to tell me that nobody in the uh, in the press corps or in, you know, the communication section of the White House noticed it would be 9-11 when we yeah. announced this? Yeah. And then that's, you get, inten- and that's I- intentional. It's, <laughs> it's, called, it's a it's a slap in the face to the victims on 9-11, to the people that well, the people that deployed like us. It's, yeah. it's, it's a slap in the face. It's intentional. All this stuff is intentional. There's no coincidences or I'm bad trying to decisions. Figure out, I'm trying to figure out why, what it is. It's got to be personal power and personal wealth. It's got to be. It's to demoralize the people so they can control them. That's what I think. No, yeah, control, control, power, control, control, control. <laughs> so, power. Um, our uh, our fearless leader, uh, President Joe Biden, was uh, he was uh, over in Vietnam on nine eleven, 
I have my own theory why he wasn't at ground zero. What is yours? Uh, why he wasn't near? Like, like I said, it's it's a to spit in the face. It's a spitting on the graves of the 9-11 victims and the soldiers. Possibly. I, I think it was um, because even in New York City, one of the bellies of the beast, I think they don't want to see how the locals responded to Joe Biden showing up. I think it would have been brutal. I th- I, I'm talking, especially like uh, even though yeah. he's Scrant, Scranton Joe and blue collar Joe with the aviator, I think he would have got booed. And then, plus, he doesn't want to take any questions from any legit questions from any family members because he doesn't right. have an answer. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense too. And he was even saying, well, you know, 22 years after Pearl Harbor, we didn't go there. It's like, well, going to Hawaii back in the 40s was quite a bit different than it is now. Like right. it took, it was something to get there. You can drive to to New York. Um, yeah, but I I don't I I just I don't think he wanted the response. But even Joe Biden said he. Well, I was at um, Ground Zero on nine twelve two thousand one, and it, lo- it was like looking through the gates of hell. Well, first That's of all, no, it was a lie. He was giving a speech on the Senate floor, he's, and I I'm at the point now where I don't even know if he knows he's lying or he's so demented he thinks he was there. I think it's both. I mean, he, he's he's been lying his whole career. He got. Yeah. Caught plagiarizing things. Yeah. I, I yeah. think he just says whatever he needs to say to get by. Well, it, it used to be you can go to the Kiwanis Club back in the early 80s, late 70s, say whatever you want, and no one's holding you accountable because there is. You wouldn't think that one of these um, from an old school video camera can now be projected worldwide on the Internet. You can. I mean, he was full of shit the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Even I mean, that, when, that, when Barack Obama, who, who doesn't even like Joe Biden, said uh, never underestimate Joe's ability to fuck everything up. <laughs> the, exactly. Uh, President Obama's, yeah. And Obama, uh, President Obama's a smart dude. Yep. And uh, I think he, that's kind of like I, I think he picked Biden the same reason that that Kamala, Kamala Harris was picked for Biden because you don't want to get rid of the president. You have this one now. I think this day and age, politicians and news media, it's standard operating procedures to lie to push their narrative. That's all it care. is. Yep. You've seen you've seen the the. um the videos of where they show one reporter saying something and split screen and to another scene yep. and then another, and they're all yeah, saying yeah. the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's all scripted. Own, oh my, it's all yeah. scripted. It's literally scripted. They, they, and, and then, but and then like, um, have you seen that thing? It's a, it's like a, it's a graph in, I think it goes back to the seventies or eighties. There used to be like 50 corporations that owned all the newspapers, news outlets. And now it's five. About five everything yeah. is, yeah. Everything is owned by the same people. Mm-hmm. It's all synced up. All the stories are spoon fed to the reporters and they have to stay mm-hmm. on script. Like look at Tucker Carlson. He got fired for going off script. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he, he spoke, and- he spoke too much truth. And well, it, actually at- that, that was the best thing they could have ever done for him. Cause now yeah. they unleashed him. Yeah. He's, and he's, he, he knows, look, I mean, Tucker knows what he's talking about. He really, he honestly does. And, oh yeah. You know, you, well, look, look at even uh, like Bill O'Reilly. I consider an independent, I really do. And I think yep. he's smart. And they had to get rid of him. Now they got rid of him for whatever reasons. And who knows what yeah. I don't, I, I wasn't there. Yeah. A lot of stuff I wasn't there for. I don't, whatever. But you know, he, he was just telling the truth, booted him. They got rid of a uh, uh, Megan Kelly. Who's awesome. Um, yep. and Tucker, if you get off, yeah, you go off script, they're going to, they're going to hammer you. I know, you know, I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just like uh communism, right? If, if you get out of line, you get well, smacked down, get back well, in line. Well, you now, so getting out of that, you have experience with that because you were running a uh, project Warpath, right? Oh yeah, 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 yep, yeah, yeah. Can I was running Project Warpath. Yeah, it was a. Uh, 
yeah, it was a t-shirt company. We, um, I started up in 2016 during the election when Hillary was running the, uh, Ty Woods and Glenn Doherty, the two seals killed him in Ghazi. Yep. They were, Ty was a teammate and Glenn was a roommate at one time and Glenn was also a roommate. So it's pretty pissed off about that. And actually before that, I never believed in any of these like conspiracy theories of the government's lying or anything. I thought everything was just like, as, as they say, right. But uh, that, and I was like, what the hell is going on here? Why didn't they send help? Why did this happen? So I created a uh, t-shirt, Hillary Clinton, come my friends and very, very popular t-shirt, by the way. Yeah. I went on Fox and friends and Steve Bannon show and the blaze and talked about these shirts and I made 30 of them just for fun. And overnight I had like thousands of orders. I was like, holy shit, I guess I'm starting a t-shirt company. And I, re- <laughs> I, re- I, re- I did this for, for like six years. I think we ran it and we sold hundreds of thousands of shirts over yeah, the years. And the, the, la- the last, the last real popular shirt said, um, I don't kneel. I stand for fallen heroes. And that was, mm-hmm. you know, about the football players kneeling. And yeah, that one, it was crazy. Those used to sell. We can we can make, I remember we'd sometimes print like 20,000, 25,000 shirts at a time. And they would sell they were just out. Selling within, out. Wow. They sell out with the weeks. It was crazy. Yeah. But they, during the 2020 election, we were, posting on instagram pro trump stuff yeah and then right right after the election i posted the uh the voter fraud graph from wisconsin you know the big spike in the middle of the night i posted yeah. that well, yeah 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 yeah. i posted that graph and then they uh they said i, I post i posted false information and they indefinitely suspended all our advertising accounts on facebook and google or facebook and instagram then google suspended ours too and um it it, it lowered our revenue by 10 X and made everything unprofitable literally overnight. And yeah, I tried to, I tried to we create a new accounts and other yeah, ways of marketing and, and never, never could get it going again. So I ended up shutting it down. Yeah. I mean, something that profitable too. And that, that just shows you the censorship. I mean, yes, they're privately owned companies, but they will shut you down. And, and some of the biggest oh, ones yeah. too, were the mention anything about the voting, um, you know, not a free and fair election, anything about vaccines. They're going to like my, my stuff is shadow banned. I'm restricted. I, I've, appealed to the point where they said no our decision's final on uh like a lot of stuff i put out's not even seen anymore just because and it's not even i mean it's just telling the truth look yeah. me, why is it that uh, president trump is winning and then all the voting stops and all of a sudden joe biden wins the next day it's like yeah and then they, they count what, votes what, for like, seven what, days what straight. You, this is yeah. not a conspiracy what do you think no, happened when you have no. math mathematicians saying this is mathematically impossible for that for the way the graphs work right it's just, yeah it's yeah, and then uh, when Elon Musk bought Twitter, you know, he had these Twitter files and they dropped all these files showing the Department of Homeland Security, FBI, um, the White House. They have these backdoor channels into Facebook and of course, um, Twitter. And they actually, you know, send like, hey, we need, we want this guy censored, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, okay, so then they shadow ban him. Or, so yeah. who knows who's, uh, it may not even be the, the employees at Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I'm sure it's part of that, but then you got this government shills sending them emails, tell them to censor people because they don't like what they're saying. Well, and these crazy. are, these are unelected officials. Well, of course they are. That's, that's how they, that's how, that's how the EPA is making rules. You like the, the EPA does not, are not allowed to make laws, but they make laws. They make all the stuff for the greater good of climate change. Like, um, so, so it, they're saying right now, like, so obviously white supremacy and global warming are going to kill us all because if the they say that if the, the temperature of the planet goes up 1.3 degrees, it's going to be catastrophic, not considering 
all the spots are going to go up 4,000 degrees because we got hit by nuclear weapons. Right. Like you're, just, you're not even, they're not even thinking straight. And you, and you say anything and get, they just, sh- they shut you down. Like, like, um, here's, here's what I, I, and I know these are smart people that like, uh, there's a dude in Hollywood, Rob Reiner, very famous guy. And he said, Trump can't run. They got to put him in jail. There shouldn't be a third party. And we need one candidate. It's like, you're literally describing fascism right now. Right. To save yeah. democracy, we need, that's not saving democracy. You're installing fascism and you're yeah. anti-fascist. You have no idea. You got to know what you're talking about. There's got to be. A I mean, we, we basically have a we basically have a uniparty in Washington, anyways. You mm-hmm. know, with this, oh yeah, true. The, these politicians, like like we we're talking about earlier, they they do work for the donors, special interest groups, and lobbyists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, so it's well, even even a um, I, I know Donald. A uniparty. I, know, I know Donald Trump, and he said he told me personally he was amazed how when he first got to D.C. he's excited because when he met with both sides they're they were going to get stuff done we're all talking and he said nancy pelosi is one of the nicest ladies i've ever met as soon as this meeting's over she walks out in front of the cameras and is just bashing him it's like what is this shit it's It's, washington dc man theatrics theatrics it's completely they got to put on their show for their donors and i don't even think they care about their voters i think it's mostly their donors well their voters there are people out there they're voting for uh (laughs) <laughs> they're voting for a, a, either a D or an R and don't worry D's uh, if, if you didn't get enough votes, you will at four in the morning. Exactly. So exactly. I mean, even, even like, even like 2000 mules, you can't find it anywhere. They just shut it down. That's a great documentary. Oh yeah. 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 Great. But Phillips, it was a free yeah. and fair election. So just, just so we're all yeah. clear free and fair election. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's well, crazy. that's going to be, uh, that's going to be another uh, episode. What I, what I want to talk about right now though, I've been dying for the past few hours is because I've got what I call the um, the quadruple black eye with Warpath <laughs> Coffee. No, I've got you, a double black eye, dude. Tell me about Warpath Coffee because you you started this company when 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 Project Warpath went away. Yeah, and yeah, and I lo- like my favorite part of the day is um is making a French press. And I talked to you about this, and so you sent me your coffee for the first time. Yeah, um, how and it's it's out Warpath. Co- where where can you find Warpath Coffee? By the way, okay, so you can find it on Warpath.coffee. Or you can cool. just do warpathcoffee.com. They both go to the same website, but the main website's warpath.coffee. And um I started it when they when I got when Project Warpath got censored and it was basically dying and I was pouring a bunch of money in it trying to reignite it. I've been wanting to do coffee for a while. I did I did a one coffee, did a Hillary Clinton kill my friend's coffee like <laughs> way back, like three, four years ago. And then um I was wanting to do more coffee. So I was like, hey, this is the time. So I, I originally Hillary, started Hillary Clinton coffee is good, except if you drink too much, you end up killing yourself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I need to do it. Epstein didn't kill himself coffee. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, so I started it on, I start actually started and tested it out under project Warpath to see if people like it and people loved it. So I love it. Um, the, my wife and I made it the blends and we got a roaster we work with. He, he roasts for us. He, he's been roasting for like, I think almost 35 years now. It's incredible coffee. Um, so I, I shut down Project Warpath and just switched over to Warpath Coffee. I've been keeping it out of politics. No, no, no crazy posts. Yeah, and, and I'm I I made a bad joke there. Uh, yeah, don't get too political with this because I love this stuff and I promise yeah. I don't want you to get rid of it. Like I started, like I said, the quadruple black eye because I my wife got me. Well, sorry, Santa got me a, a, a <laughs> kick-ass espresso machine, and that's like my favorite part of the day is making that uh, four shots of espresso on a little bit of a coffee on top and it's just that's some serious that's that's a lot of caffeine i I do that i do the uh yeah the double black eyes 
you know, I'm pushing 50, so I'm running out of energy and I like to golf every day. So I got to get some stuff going, but uh, yeah, that's my, well, I'm, I'm pumped but, because but the, but people love this coffee. I mean, um, yeah. I think we're about 18 months into it and we have like, what is, I think we're like the 2300 five-star reviews. Like people love it. Once they drink it, they're like, dude, this is the best coffee I've ever had. And oh, drinking anything it is, else. it is really good. Well, I just got another package. And so I, I, I love the dark blend. I got the breakfast roast and then. So Jesse loves the uh, uh, the the chocolate roast. Oh yeah, yeah. But nice. the one I told her, I said I want to try the uh, the maple what is bacon. The, the maple bacon. And she she said I was we were just on the phone before this. I said I mean I'm trying the maple bacon. And she goes that can't be it. I'm going. I said look at the it's box. Good. And she looked at it. She goes I'll be damned. So I'm trying yeah. that tonight or yeah, t- maybe tomorrow. I I want to yeah. sleep a little bit. I'm all amped yeah. up. <laughs> I was actually testing out some different uh, flavored coffees and I tr- I tried to. Glazed donut. It's like a jelly glazed donut. Dude. It, it's it it smells. It's all the aroma. It smells like a jelly glazed donut, but the coffee just tastes like regular coffee, but it has an aroma of that's kind of cool. Yeah, Are you making that cool. one? I don't know. Maybe next year. Um cool. right now I got I'm gonna pretty soon gonna drop a pumpkin pie and um yes. holiday Good blend. Call. I did a I did a holiday Good blend call. last year. So people love that holiday holiday blend. They asked me all year, they're like Dude, you should just sell that year round. So I might, I might just keep that on the shelf. Um, that one is, what is it? It's you dark know chocolate, um, cinnamon and hazelnut. It's good. People love the holiday blend. Well, I'll tell you, they do. I'll tell you, if you sold the pumpkin pie blend around year round, that would be a good one because you know people freak for the pumpkin spice all the time. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know, I know women that I think have killed people to get in line for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pumpkin. The pumpkin pie is good. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna. So I'm gonna tweet about the maple bacon. I'm trying okay. that soon. Um. Uh. And I again, I, I'm gonna. I'll. I'll be talking about Warpath Coffee, man. This is legit as hell. Um. So we're oh, gonna. Yeah. We're gonna wrap up here. But Warpath Coffee, definitely check it out. What? What else? Where can people find you? What if they want? Because you were my security guy for a while. Did you get? You yeah. Still doing anything? Uh, anything no, I, I haven't done any security anymore. Um. I just try and try. You know, because when I travel you know, away from home, wait for the coffee. It's, 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 it's a good, it's a good quick uh, money hit, but then yeah, I feel like everything yeah. else gets sidelined and then I'm playing catch up. So I, I quit yeah. traveling. So I'm just doing the, um, and then it allows me to spend more time with my kids and be at home. Great. So I'm just trying to put all my energy into the coffee. Do you, uh, you ever golf anymore? No, I haven't. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're the first guy I golf. How that, that must've been eight years ago. Ten, nine oh, years yeah. Ago. When we went, Hill. We, like Pelican Hill, we're on one of the nice golf courses in the. We just a couple knuckle knuckle dragos. I, you know, I've been playing since. I'm still not good, but I remember looking over at you. You had a weird lie on a hill, and I'm pretty sure you fell and rolled farther than the ball did. Oh yeah, I tried to swing so hard, I my feet slipped <laughs> from underneath me, and I totally ate shit landing on my back. <laughs> that was hilarious. So, okay, Dude, we so used to go, I remember we used to go to some cool golf courses when I used to travel we, around with you. I'll tell you what, man, we had some good trips and good people. Oh yeah. Um, that was amazing. Yeah, that was, that was we're amazing. flying. We're flying on private jets every day, going to like two, we three busy. States a day. I have that picture. I'm going to post it for this, this podcast. When we, someone had that jet where we couldn't really fit into it and like our shoulders. Oh, yeah, were yeah, the yeah. Bulkhead. <laughs> yep. gonna, yeah. That was cool. That yeah. Awesome. God, that was fun. Cool. Well, we're going to, we're going to get back and do it. We'll do a political, um, episode soon but i'm telling everyone okay. warpath coffee now it's legit as hell, hell. yeah get it um warpath.coffee awesome warpath.coffee tage awesome to talk to you brother that was a lot of fun you too Time <laughs> that flies. was awesome I know. Uh, but yeah we'll have you back on brother great seeing you all right and um, see you brother we'll talk soon later all right later wow so uh that was awesome i want to thank tage gill for 
for coming on the show today. It's wonderful to talk about everything. I, I always love talking to, obviously, Navy SEALs, but um, different branches, different combat vets, now, not, and not even just veterans. I love talking with people who are operating. That's why we call it the Operator Podcast. Whatever you're doing, if you're helping anything, including yourself, if you're helping other people, doing stuff for yourself, your community, your neighbors, then you're operating. And I, and I, I appreciate the the comments that I've been getting on Instagram, on the Operator Podcast, and at Mikuya. Thank you for the support. It's awesome. But I, I do love the comments because I, I like to hear what you're doing, what your stories are. And if, I mean, I would love to find someone that's out there operating in a blue-collar job or something like that that I can interview just to talk about different stuff around the country, around the world. Zoom, uh, the, the, the good thing about the lockdown is we all learned how to use Zoom. Even I, like me and Tate set up Zoom today. We're like knuckle-dragging 60 Carrie and Frogman, and we, fig- we were just excited. We figured out how to hook this up without a calm guy here. But I, you know, we anyone can do Zoom. I'd love to interview people. I love to hear different stories. Everyone's got a different uh, vessel, a different journey in life. Um, I love hearing Tage's stories. Reminds me of some of my stories. I love talking about coffee. I, I think now that you know, I, I talked about black buffalo and and uh, you know, respect your rituals. It's good to have a ritual. It's good to have a structure. One uh, of my what I like now, what I look forward to is I, I wake up early. Not with an alarm clock. I just wake up. <laughs> I just sometimes get up in the morning. But I love it because I can get up, um, have that Warpath coffee that I love, uh, throw in a black buffalo. My new thing, too, is I'll walk to the uh, golf course. Just a ritual. Having some structure. Master the basics, like I'm saying. If you, if you can do all that stuff together, if you can continue to operate, if you can keep your life structured, keep the ritual, honor the ritual, take care of each other, continue to operate. And you are never out of the fight.